since before recorded time. It had swung through the universe in an elliptical orbit so large that its very existence remained a secret of time and space. But now, in the last few years of the 20th century, the visitor was returning. It's the invasion of the podcast. And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, taking over the world one listener at a time. I'm I'm Paul, uh, just a pile of red dust. I don't know. I got nothing. Uh, and to my left is Steve. I owe him fifteen dollars. Uh, hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like not even egg McMuffin, nothing. Like, you know. <laughs> oh, I, I completely <laughs> forgot about that line. I'm like. Do you owe me money? Yeah, um. yeah. It, was just, it was just a weird exchange in the, in, in the movie whenever the girl was like, the guy was like, I'll give you $15 to stay the night. She's like, but not the, not just for making it. And he's like, no. And then at the morning, where's my $15? Well, talk to somebody else about it, basically. Right. That, was, uh, that was weird. So, um, yeah. Anyway, Night of the Comet, we're going to be talking about that. Welcome to October. Uh, we're going to be uh, doing horror movie stuff all month long. So, actually, we have five Wednesdays. Yeah. To get through for for Halloween, perhaps so. we should have counter programmed and been like, "We're going to do all romantic comedies this week or this month." That would have been that would have been a, a month of terror <laughs> for me. You know? uh, so yeah, so we'll get more into to that later. Um, so we're basically the format this month, guys, is going to be like our regular show, but the middle is going to be a horror movie each week. So it's like, and then one of the weeks is going to be the knockoff. We still need to determine that. We're still determining yeah. that. Uh, the polls are still out. The polls are still we're still we're still out. We we paid for some research. Um but yeah, uh the weekend. Did you do anything uh fun for the weekend? So I mean I don't know that it uh I mean yes and no. Um so A we put our our Halloween decorations out on Sunday, so that was a good time. Um very happy anytime the uh Halloween decorations go up and there's a chill in the air. Like actually Saturday was like a, a perfect night to go to a haunted house. We unfortunately did not go to a haunted haunted house. We went to the Cleveland uh Ingenuity Festival. Have you ever heard of this? Yeah, I've heard of it. I keep missing it because I always okay. forget what it happens. It sounds cool. Yeah, we went and uh it was uh, a lot of art exhi- exhibits, vendors, food trucks, music, um you know, a good time, although like a, a downer moment of the evening. I got some fries that were served in a bucket, and then uh, there was too much ketchup on them, and there like, were no forks. Like how, bi- how big was the bucket? Uh, the bucket was probably I don't know, like like uh, uh, like but, maybe two of these tall boy beer cans okay. put together. I just, I like, uh, when you first said a bucket of fries, I mean, I was hoping for like just that literal, <laughs> just like beat the shit metal pail, just full of French fries. Yeah. <laughs> Like, but, and you didn't even get it from a food truck? Like, you just found a bucket <laughs> of fries? But, like, I, I put too much ketchup on it, and there were no forks or anything like that. This is so, like... <laughs> Wait, so the Ingenuity <laughs> Festival didn't have forks to eat food with? Right. That does not sound like they or, took the theme to heart. Or at least said vendor didn't. Um, <laughs> and I got to a point where probably, like, the last third of my fries were, like, caked in ketchup. Because, you know, there's just that ketchup dispenser that you hit, yeah. ketchup comes flying out. Um, and I just, I got to a point where I was like, I can't eat these anymore. Cause like, if as soon as I dig in with my fingers, like it's just everywhere. Um, so yeah, that's like, yeah, like ketchup or your goatee, you're walking <laughs> around like, like you ate a rabbit or something, <laughs> you're like, like just something. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, a uh, good time. Um, I had a, uh, 
for for those who know me, they know that I am very much a cheap date when it comes to the beer that I prefer. I'm a Miller Lite guy, so it doesn't come any cheaper. Well, there is Bush Light and uh, Old Milwaukee's Beast. And, and, and um, Schlitz. Black Label. And um, yeah. and beer, which is I don't know. I know you always see like TV shows. There was always that white can with the black yeah. labels and beer. <laughs> Probably not a real beer, but that feels like it's pretty cheap. No, for me. it's real actually because of the, that was in a lot of '80s movies, like the one seen in the Saturday Night Slasher. All the beer cans are just white labels or white <laughs> cans with beer as the label. Um, but uh, you know, I got like a Cleveland Pilsner or something or other in a can. All I know is bucket. it was it was five dollars and. Uh, uh, I was just disappointed because it was like, you know, uh, granted, my, my beer tastes are literally like top of the bottom rung. Um, so I get it that like, uh, it's just not my scene. I wish Miller Lite's to... uh, like, tagline was top of the bottom <laughs> rung. That'd be amazing. Live the high life. Live the high life from the lowest rung <laughs> of the ladder. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we had a good time. Um, I definitely felt like I was back in art school. There was a very much a uh, very like open, like artistic um, vibe going on there. Um, but uh, a good time was had by all. Just wish that uh, my fries would have wouldn't have been so ketchupy and that there'd been a fork. Fair enough. <laughs> That's scintillating conversation for you, folks. Well, no, I just I, my weekend was uh, not not um, as significant. Like I, we went to a friend's uh, friend's house that we've not we've not seen them for about a year. Played some board games, uh, so that was fun. Uh, my the, the 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 gentleman of the house showed me his empty can of Billy beer. If you remember that from the the we Billy Carter of, beer, we have a can of Billy beer yeah, at the it, house. My wife has a can. Well, there you go. So talk about like you know upper class beer. Yeah. No, it was fun. We played Forbidden Island, which is a game which it's collaborative that you're supposed to work together to to get treasures. Off an island while it's constantly flooding. Yeah. So after some time, it starts to get a little tense. So that was fun. Um, but then the rest of the weekend was spent um, playing World of Warcraft because I, you know, that's me. That's what I do. And I was avoiding responsibilities. World of Warcraft is really, really, really good at making sure that, you know, you're like, you know what? I could do one more thing. I could mm. do one more thing. And then you're like, all oh, the sunset. Oh, I'm 40. Like, you know, like there's this, like, you know, eventually time just goes by. <laughs> you're like, I am now a skeleton. Sitting at this at this desk, um, so Saturday was was not not well done. <laughs> say that. And plus, also like I like I, I've talked to you about this about this four star recording. I don't know, like whenever I have the expectation of getting a lot of things done, sometimes I just lock up and do nothing, and that's bad. Yeah, like, I get into that kind of like couch lock of oh, I could watch I could watch this movie, and then like you're just done for the day. Well, it also know? becomes that thing where like there's so much to do that it becomes overwhelming. So like you just get nothing done. Yeah. Um, but I, I did want to mention one other yeah. thing, um, and this wasn't really on the weekend, but Monday was October 1st, and uh, I came to realize that uh, you and I have something in common in respect to like the thing uh, that you that grates on your nerves, but everyone else around you finds finds funny. I basically this is my version of Space Jam. Oh, okay, so. Um, Back, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, I used to get super annoyed anytime I heard the phrase Rocktober. <laughs> um, I wondered like, about this because people kept saying it to you on Facebook. Yeah, I hate Rocktober. I hate the, the like, I don't know. It's just, it's it's such a, like, I, I don't even know how to put it. Like, I just, there's something about it that just bothers me. Like, October is cool enough as it is. We got Halloween, we got 
you know, horror our, movies our all birthdays. month. Yeah, we got our birthdays. We got we got all this great stuff. My wedding anniversary, like all this wonderful stuff happening in October. But like Rocktober is just like yeah, it's that like radio guy it, it, who's like. It feels yeah, like Rocktober let's... is always like that announcement of like, um, like if Nickelback's touring, yeah, or if or if Rocktober was like a stadium show. It'd be all those bands that like you just don't care about, but 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 then you have that one friend that's really excited about it. You're like, I'm sorry, I know you're going to Rocktober. I mean, that's good for you, but I will not be there. It's Rocktoberfest with Creed, Nickelback, <laughs> and Alter Bridge. So they just let the lead singer Creed walk away for a second. And saliva. Um. Saliva. <laughs> But, you know, I just, for me, like, that is the thing that all my friends find hilarious. Seven Mary Three is going to play that one song that you don't remember, but if you heard it, be like, oh, yeah, what happened to Seven Mary Three? It's cumbersome. <laughs> you might say Rocktober is cumbersome. Yeah. It's like, it has hate, become cumbersome. Yeah. I also hate things like, you know, like when people are like, let's get the lead out on the radio <laughs> or, uh, you know, yeah. he's the Motor City Madman. Like that very like radio DJ ish crap. Because uh, so. I, I always hate that because you know that you think about it and there's a guy in a studio that's just really leaning into the mic <laughs> yeah. and just like just saying it. And then he goes out and just like, you know, goes about his day. Yeah. Like, the, the, someone doesn't, like, I'm, I'm sure, wait, well, maybe there's someone that functions like that the entire time. They're like, okay, okay, Gary, we get it. You're a DJ. <laughs> you know, like I, I understand, but it's like, yeah, it's just that whole like, well, the Michael Stanley band. Like, I, so yeah. you're you're from the Cleveland area. You grew up yeah. around, so you're familiar with Michael Stanley band. Yes, this was something I did not know was a local thing, and everyone's like, "It's Michael Stanley." I'm like, <laughs> "Who the hell is Michael Stanley?" And everyone's like, "It's this guy." I'm like, "This He's sounds Cleveland like, famous." This sounds like Bob Seger light, and everyone's like, "How dare you? It's Michael Stanley." And then he's on. You know, uh, WNCX 98.5, yeah. and it's always like, he has a good radio voice, but it's like, you can tell that, like, he knows he's somebody <laughs> every time he talks. And I'm like, yeah. But you're not you're not that much of a somebody, so. Michael Stanley, and your band. <laughs> so, yeah, Rocktober is my space jam, and that everyone around me seems to enjoy, like, making fun of me with it no. more than I enjoy. That's unfortunate. Uh, having to deal with it, so. I mean, that's a whole month. I just have one movie that is, like, the bane of my existence. I don't yeah. even know why. Like, I... That is not a hill I want to die on, but people keep bringing it to me, you know, like, so whatever. Anyway, so yeah, um, that's funny. But um, yeah, this weekend, I just, uh, what uh, something I was going to mention that I did do. Um, what not, did you do, do? Nothing, I guess. I just played World of Warcraft and then I started watching oh. a comment. Um, and then that, you know, I, it was after the Browns overtime game. So I had been drinking, watching the, the football game. First time I actively watched football in my apartment in like two years. And it was not, it didn't end well. Like they lost and I was sad. And I'm like, I'll just watch this movie now. And I'd already been day drinking. And then it just, you know, so. I like that people who watch the Browns have hope again. Like, they, I well, like it. Yeah, it's good. I'm, like, I'm no. not a Browns fan or I'm not even a football fan anymore. But like, it, uh, I haven't watched football regularly in like 20 years almost. But I, yeah. my whole thing is just like, it's it's nice to see people excited about Browns football again. Almost so that I'm like, maybe I should watch a game. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it was fun. They didn't win. And then that was unfortunate. I took my hat and I threw it on the ground. Like, just out of anger. But I picked it right back up again. That's about all. That was about my weekend. Now I think about it was World of Warcraft, watching football, being disappointed by it, and then watching half of Night of the Comet. So that was my big weekend. Nice. Yeah. Pretty pretty successful. Yeah. Gotta say. So anyway, 
Um, yeah. Um, but I, I did finish any of the comment, and we'll get to that later. Here. Yes. So, but yeah, let, now that we've talked about our amazing weekends, uh, let's just get to some news. Good news, everyone. It's going to be Rocktober all month <laughs> long here on Invasion of the Podcast. Turn, uh, turn up the knob and then break it off. <laughs> like, whatever they say. My Coming fi- up next, triple play of Aerosmith. <laughs> it's two for Tuesday on this Rocktober Eve. <laughs> See, I think you have a pretty good voice for that. I think yeah. you're underselling yourself. You should do that. Coming up next, double shot of Michael Staley. <laughs> <laughs> no, anyway, anyway. So news. So what do, what do we want to start with? Do we want to start with uh uh I don't know. We got three we got three stories. We got a Twizzer Us thing, we got uh So I, I think yeah. we'll start with the, the easy good one first. I think we'll talk about Batman, okay, the Mask of the Phantasm, yeah. returning to theaters along with the original nineteen seventy eight Superman. Okay. Um this is um for one night only, both uh Batman Mask of the Phantasm, which is an animated film from nineteen ninety three. And 1978 Superman are going to be uh, playing in theaters again for one night only. Um, and for me personally, as somebody who a saw Mask of the Phantasm in the theater back in 1993 with like four people in the theater, um, I'm very excited to see it. It's actually one of my all-time. It, it, it's probably my favorite Batman movie, which I mentioned to my wife, and she's like, "It's animated. Why is that your favorite Batman movie?" And I'm like. You were deciding the divorce papers. Right? Yeah, <laughs> but I was like, you don't, you don't get me. I told her I wouldn't shame her on the podcast for, uh, you know, uh, making a comment that because it's animated, it's somehow lesser. But um, yeah, I I love that movie. Um, one of the things that I love about that movie is that it's easily the most humanizing of the character um, in any of the stories that I've ever read or movies that I've seen over thirty years of like comic book fandom. Um, and I know you haven't seen it as well. Yeah, um, so that was going to be my big reveal is that I, as much as I love Batman, the animated series, and I'm glad that it's getting a lot of love recently, and yeah. the fact that Mass Phantasm's coming back to the theater is great. It's just one of those things that I've always seen, and I've always circled, I just have not watched. And, it, it, and it's it's like you, you've told me that I have access to ways to see it now, and I just haven't sat down and watched it. And I like that era of Batman. Like, I think it's great, but I've just, I don't know why. It's just, never got to it yeah i mean it's 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 fair like I, and i don't want to build it up because like i can certainly see like someone saying like i don't understand how can you say this is better than the dark knight i'm not really saying that i think it's better than the dark knight it's just my personal favorite uh but when it comes to the film itself there's a moment in the film that's probably one of the most humanizing moments for batman that i've ever like seen for that character it's early in his career it's before he's become batman and he's trying to work out his plan on how to do what he wants to do um, and basically become Batman. But there's a kink in the plan when he falls in love. And there's a scene with him at his parents' grave um, just pleading with them, like, I'll hire, um, you know, I'll give money to the city so they can hire more um, police. I'll, you know, do whatever I can. I'll let, but can't somebody else take the risk um, I just need for it to be okay. You know, it doesn't hurt as much as it used to. And I'm happy for once. Don't I deserve that? And like, I think anybody who's ever suffered a loss in their life also always has that moment where like, you're happy about something and you wonder like, should I be happy? Like you feel guilty almost mm-hmm. because, you know, you're, you're, you've suffered a great loss, but 
it it's the most realistic moment for that character in my opinion um and it's a lovely scene um i mean i've seen batman brooding in his parents gravesite in many 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 a story um but this this scene's different and it's it's something that like i don't want to say like you know i i realize that like people are like ah the 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 scene where uh batman you know rides the bat pod through gotham and faces down the joker is wonderful in in the dark knight or the bank sequence like i realize it's not that type of sequence but for me it's a character moment that yeah. is very true and important to the character um well, so, he's, he's he's getting to the moment where he's he's asking for permission to move on right and, and he's still coming up short yeah, yeah, and it's just it's one of those wonderful moments that like I've not getting gotten in any other representation of the character. Um, so I, I really love that scene, and then there are great bits in it. Like uh, there's this little moment at the beginning of the film where he's fighting a bunch of gangsters, and uh, one of them is like on the floor, almost unconscious, but there's a door on top of him. And Batman's walking away, and he sees him like reaching for his gun, and Batman just steps on the door, <laughs> and you see the guy go limp, which is really great. Um, you know, it's got Mark Hamill as the Joker in it. It's got uh, the Phantasm, which the only other representation of that character that I know of is is that they made a reference to it in an episode of Justice League, like. 15 years later and it's a it's actually one of those moments that when you see it in the cartoon you're like oh my god that's perfect but um yeah at its heart mask the phantasm is almost a love story um and i'm sure everyone listening to this has probably already seen it and they're like we except know, for me Steve. so thank you i'm entranced by this I should, <laughs> I should get to that eventually but it's a very beautiful film um it's a uh a wonderful adaptation of batman i think I, I don't know. I've yet to run into a Batman fan who's like, yeah, I didn't really care for the animated series. <laughs> like, it's the creme de la creme, I think, of a lot of people uh, who are Batman fans. So, the Batman Mask of the Phantasm in theaters one night. I believe it's November 12th. Be there. Be square. Be well, the Cle Cleveland Cinemas is showing the 89 Batman in November as well, right? Right, which I will also be attending <laughs> um but then lastly the superman 1978 we did that back uh during our year of the knockoff along with a movie that shall not be named all right it was condor, so it was man. condor man coming back as well for one night <laughs> is it flying back in the theaters because i'm pretty sure it was in theaters originally for one night only the last time it was <laughs> but i've never actually seen superman in the theater and i still think that dick donner's version of that character or that film is is by far still one of the best superhero movies ever made so i i really would love to see the chance to get to see that on the big screen the closest that i can think of is when i saw i think it's interviewing the vampire uh there's a scene at the end where he's talking about how he can't see daylight and uh it's not at the end but it's the end of superman where like he's in a theater he's talking about how he gets to enjoy certain things by being like going to the movies mm -hmm. and they show that shot of superman flying and i'm like i saw that in the theater so that's probably the closest i've come to seeing the original donner superman in the theater is seeing the scene of superman yeah. in the theater <laughs> with a vampire watching yes yeah. right. well, fair enough um, I realize I took a tangent there. But. Yeah. I, I don't know if you're familiar with the show. <laughs> I mean, you've just been doing this for almost literally one year. Well, know, it's so, it's yeah. it's funny because like I get on like you know really excited about something and then I just turn into like uh, 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 let me tell you about this. Uh. So. And then you drop all your action figures like my figures, you know. Uh, and then you break your glasses. That's I don't know how that happens, but yeah, no, that's exciting. That's cool. Um, all right, so. 
Uh, next story, just just in passing, Toys R Us. They recently were going to be doing like a um, auction of like their intellectual property, like the name Toys R Us, Babies R Us. Uh, Jeffrey the Giraffe was going to be up for sale. Um, but they paused all Which that. Sounds awful. Like yeah. I'm picturing this like dark room with just like bitters in it. Like, like yeah, like what? No. How much for the giraffe? Yeah, it's like suddenly like you know someone's like, <laughs> have you seen Requiem for a Dream? It's like no, Jeffrey, no. Um, you know, so uh, he they they paused it because supposedly there's a plan in place to bring back the brand. And they don't really specify what that means, other than there might be like a physical presence to it. Um, it could be something as simple as. They get their act together and have like um, Toys R Us branded something, you know, and then has a presence. It may not be a brick and mortar store. Who knows? The only reason I mention this because, like, I mean, if, if someone can make it make sense and they can make it like you know financially soluble again and and whatever, that's great. And if it brings jobs and that it actually has a toy store that people can go to, that's great. I'm not saying that that's wrong whatsoever. What pisses me off about it is that the moment the story came out, people I kept seeing on Facebook, other places were like, please make this a reality. I want to be like, where were you 10 years ago when Toys R Us was like, you know, already in financial straits? It's like, you're sad because the thing that you grew up with is gone. Yeah. And now you want it back. And it's going to come back. You're going to go visit once and be like, man, these prices are too high. I'm just going to go to Amazon and buy these toys. And then it's going to fold again. Yeah. That, 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 that's, my, that's my gut telling me that. And it just makes me mad because it's like people want that that uh, tactile, like walked in, lived in nostalgia, but they really don't want to pay for it. Yeah, I mean, there were um, fight me, not you, but like everybody. <laughs> no, I totally agree. I mean, if I'm being realistic about it, um, back in my days, I used to because uh, I I collect um, I collect Star Wars toys mainly, but I collect a bunch of other different series, like Batman series and. Um, you know, I have a whole section of horror um, toys that I collect. But back in the day, we used to do the rounds. Like, we would go to Walmart, we would go to Target, we'd go to Toys R Us. And 95% of the time, when we would find something at Target, we'd be like, I bet you it's cheaper at Target. Or I bet you it's cheaper at Walmart. Or I bet it's cheaper wherever. Yeah. Um, and, like, I used to be very, like, not anti-Amazon slash eBay, but for me, there was a thrill to hunt. So, like, I yeah. always wanted to find stuff in person. But even a lot of times, if I did find it at Toys R Us, I'd be like, I'm going to take my chances and see if I can find <laughs> it at Target or yeah. wherever because it was usually less expensive somewhere else. So, my memories of Target, while yes, they're, f or I'm um, sorry, of uh, Toys R Us are fond, um, I'm not. I'm not longingly like nostalgic for it. It's, a, it's it's the same bucket uh, of fries. No, it's the same bucket that like <laughs> that Captain Marvel trailer and uh, that starts off with her crash landing into the like into a blockbuster video. Yeah, and everyone's like, oh, it's blockbuster. It's like you weren't there the last ten years. I know because I work there in the last like you know death gasps of the the, the chain, and then you come in and bitch at me that we didn't have what we're looking for, or I can't believe you guys are still in business because of Netflix, or I'm going to a red box. It's like. It's it, like there's a certain experience that you could be wistful for, and I'm not saying that's wrong, and I'm not saying that Captain Marvel's a bad movie because she crash lands into a blockbuster. That's fine. I don't like that's all fine. It shows that it's the 90s. I'm not upset about that. It's just people's visceral reaction to something that they can't have anymore that was in front of them for a long time but chose not to actively engage with. That frustrates me. That yeah. that's all. That that's all. It's like you know, if if you liked it enough, it would still be around and you'd still be supporting it. 
Um, and, and maybe maybe that that's an um, maybe that's a half-ass statement because there's a lot of financial reasons why Toys R Us went under. There's a lot of reasons why Blockbuster went under that weren't related to necessarily day-to-day people walking up and buying something. Like I understand that, but if if there was still enough of a crowd there, some of those financial situations they put themselves into because they were betting on the consumer being there didn't pan out. Yeah. You know, so it it is what it is. It's just that. I, I, it's it's easy for someone to be like, hey, I hope they bring them back. And it's like, and then you go and you buy your one thing and be like, okay, I supported that business. And then it never comes like, I just don't know how that's going to work. And yeah, I, yeah, I mean, so. it kind of goes hand in hand with my plan to bring back Suncoast Video. Suncoast. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I miss Suncoast. I missed walking in and never buying anything at Suncoast. Like, could you do that? Like, you know what? You could have that same ex- uh, same experience. Just walk in with a pair of blinders and go to FYE. And you'd be like, this feels like Suncoast. Like, or wear just a pair of dark sunglasses because all Suncoasts were always like, everything was like dark. Like, the walls are black, everything in there. It was, it, you know, like the decor was always a little darker. Well, than, I, yeah. I didn't know FYE was still a thing until two years ago. I walked in there. I, and no, I, they're, I, they're well, still doing fair, okay, I think. Yeah. Well, I hadn't been to a mall in I don't know how many years. And then I went out to um, North you and, Olmstead, I, you and the, I both eat out of a trash can. How have you not been to a mall in like two years? Because the, <laughs> the food court seems to be like the siren song of bad decisions. So I, you got to get uh, that sarkaru. Uh, 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 <laughs> got to get that mall chicken. So uh, I live in Elyria. Um, growing up, this is getting tangential again. Uh, growing up, when we would go school shopping, my mom would always like be like, "Hey, let's go up to." Uh, the Midway Mall in Elyria, and then we'll go to Great Northern. So those were like the two malls that we'd go to mm-hmm. for like school shopping. And, uh, you know, when I moved to Elyria seven years ago now? Yeah, seven years ago. Um, I was like, oh, that's cool. I can go to the Elyria Mall. Or I can go to the Midway Mall. And it is like, it was a ghost town then, and it if is you, more if, so if now. you just want a mall walk and go to a church. Yeah, like it's... <laughs> I mean, like, I would say half the food court was even closed. Um, but the Great Northern, I went there two years ago for, I think I, it was something Star Wars related. Surprise, surprise. And I was like, oh, the Disney store's in there. I, I'll go there. And I went in and I'm like. And right across from there is FYE. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, there's an FYE still? Like, th- that's still a thing that exists? So um, I went in there and then that was the first that's thing what I asked. That's it stands them. for, is for your exclamations. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, FYE's still here? Yeah, if, like I've actually bought things from there in like the past year. Like if they're, it's not ba- like them. And this is wow, this is really getting places. Them and like GameStop have tried to kind of rebrand themselves a little bit of, of just being more than just one thing. So there's a lot of collect collectible stuff going on in there. Like you know the pop figures. There's a lot of like random stuff. Fye's had that more longer than GameStop has, but they've been trying to get more into the diversifying of just physical media. Like so, well, it's um, like if you look at Target now, like Target has totally well, they changed have a whole, their like, media back area. wall stuff, yeah. But it's like I'm very happy that they're carrying the NECA figures now. Like they carry like the NECA horror figures. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, they're not very well managed. Like they're just kind of strewn about, it's, and it just feels kind of like it, like it's funny speaking of the comment we we're talking about. It feels feels kind of like a wasteland sometimes yeah. on that back wall of Target where things are just kind of strewn about. Like there's a raccoon running away <laughs> with a pop figure. You're like, but I wanted that one, and it's just like, Arr! it's like, okay, you can have it. That raccoon really loves that Jim Hopper Stranger Things figure. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but but not the rocket one. I don't like, know why it was just weird. <laughs> they also like have vinyl now. I've noticed, uh, which is really weird because I'm like, remember I know, remember when like like records were like done? Yeah, and, like, like people were like almost all, thirty years ago. Yeah, 
Sorry, this is this is the member cast, I guess. But no, vinyl is coming back to Target, FYE, all these places, and it's like twenty, thirty bucks a pop. Like yeah. they're not, they're not like you know, it's all new presses, it's all stuff. It's cool. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's like I love vinyl, but like I I love vinyl back of what it was like originally pressed. I don't know. I was into vinyl before it was cool. <laughs> yeah, um, I was into vinyl and eight tracks. No, but like you're right. Like they've diversified, and so. The same thing I could think here. Here's me turning it right back around. I could easily see like the name Toys R Us being like part of a line or a part of a specific section of a Target of a Walmart if they did it right. And yeah. I, I know I know Target and Walmart are saying that they're going to start maybe opening up more aisle space to toys because Toys R Us is gone. Yeah. But could you? It's the same thing. Like we have the local Cleveland stuff of uh, Big Fun. Where Which they, is they, gone now, but not really because yeah, I know that they combined with yeah, yeah. the candy store. But Which, who knows? I don't know how effective that outlet is, but it's but it's I something, haven't been there oddly enough. Yeah, so, so I don't know if, if Big Fun still has its identity being associated with the candy shop, but it still exists in some fashion. Yeah, I think Toys R Us is going to kind of maybe if you held a gun to my head. Like that would be it. That or if someone like picks up the KB Toys name and does something with that, make make an aisle. That that try to recreate that like that little sense of wonder you had as a kid, and I think that you could do that. Not even a boot, not even a boutique, but like make it a store within a store. I think people might be more approachable to that. Yeah, or maybe actually focus on kids. Like, you know, like I, I don't know. I did, I did I tell you like what did we talk about when I went to um, uh, Barnes and Noble recently, like two weeks ago or two no, three weeks ago? I haven't ago? been on Barnes and Noble in ages. <laughs> I was over uh, in Crocker Park, which is the west side of Cleveland. I was waiting to go see that Nicolas Cage um, movie Mandy with some friends, and I wandered around Barnes and Noble. There's a media section on the second floor that felt like a museum because there was no one working the the, the counter, and everything was just kind of set aside. And there was walls of stuff, and it's almost like I felt like I should be taking selfies with things and be like, "Look at this best selling DVD rack!" Like yeah. it was there was nobody up there, and that's a two story floor store that's just all focused on music, movies, and books. There's you know tumbleweeds blowing around. And yeah, yeah. I just uh, whatever. Anyway, so that's it. it, it just there, there's there's a place for this, and there's a nostalgia for this. I just get frustrated when people are like, "Yeah, you should do that," but they don't really think that there's a there's going to there should there needs to be a lot of infrastructure in place for that to happen. I love toys or Toys R Us. Bring it back. I'm not going to go to it, but bring it back. Yeah, that's that's all I'm saying is like. Realizing that, like, I think the marketplace and how people spend money has changed significantly enough that some of this stuff, unless it's like in a smaller, like, you know, there's still mom and pop video stores. They're starting to kind of come back. And and, yeah. and, and and you talk about music with vinyl. That's starting to come back a little bit, too. But it's very focused and very, like, very, not regional, but it's very specific. Well, I don't want to drag on too, far, too much longer on this topic. But I will say that, like, when we talked about Blockbuster, I mean, that's the thing that annoys me about all the nostalgia for Blockbuster. And I realize that, like, for a lot of people, that was, like, their access to movies. But... You know, for me, Blockbuster also represents like the death of a lot of mom and pops. That's true. Um, and so I, I, I kind of have less empathy for you have nostalgia for the thing that took away the nostalgia for the thing, right? You know, like... And I, I don't know. Like there was this great store in Lakewood 15 years ago called Beware, and it was 
uh, Beware video. It was all B movies and horror and you know stuff that you couldn't find anywhere else. And that went out in like 2004. I was hoping it was like like bees, as in like actual bees. No, like it was all videos about like a- apists, <laughs> apiaries. But like I loved that place. Like if I was gonna open like a store, like that would be one of the models that I would use because it was just it was wonderful. Maybe I shouldn't use it as that model because it went out of business <laughs> 14 years ago. But man, yeah. did I love Beware. Yeah. So. so. Anyway, Toys R Us might be coming back. Maybe you'll buy something from it. Maybe you won't. But you're going to be happy for a second, and then watch it just fade into the you know into the <laughs> abyss anyway. So, all right, maybe well, they should bring it back at Christmas, like a like Spirit Halloween. Like they should just yeah. reopen Toys R Us for like a month. <laughs> you know, that's not that's not a bad idea, actually. Somebody get um, Toys R Us on the phone. I want to talk to him. Yeah, give give me Jeffrey. You know. <laughs> Somebody get me the giraffe yeah. on the phone. I don't want to grow up, but if I did, I have a spreadsheet showing how you can be financially <laughs> successful. All right. So speaking of spirit stores, we didn't even mention this at the beginning of the show. Steve has a game revolving around spirit later, so we'll get to that. It'll be fun. I don't know what it is. I'm sure it'll be fun. I'm sure I'll, I'll guess all wrong. So last story real quick. Um, internet is full of trolls? Is I mean, that's I don't know if that's breaking news, but I just want to let you guys know. Do you know why they are called spoilers? <laughs> The internet's full of trolls. <laughs> there's there's two stories to this. One, supposedly, um, there is a study out there suggesting that the Russian troll farms helped uh, cause a lot of problems with reactions to Star Wars: The Last Jedi, um, and that you know it doesn't surprise me because a lot of the tr- the the troll farms. They don't really care about the target. They just want to cause chaos. They just right. want to disrupt. So if it's being upset about something or in support of something, they just know they're going to stoke fires of whatever thing you believe in. <laughs> What's interesting is is that even the story is like stoking the fires because it's like I I, I should know by now. Never read the comments, but like I was reading the comments on. Uh, one of the sites that I was reading about the story and like a lot of them were responses of like people who were like, this story's inaccurate. I hated the last Jedi. I'm like, you're not reading the story. The story's saying Did that you see it their amplified. Name, was it like, you know, Ivan Romanovsky or <laughs> oh, no. Zangief? Let me, was let me it re- Zangief? Was he the one? <laughs> let me Let's rephrase. See. I am not a Russian bot, <laughs> but that movie's garbage. Like, and actually, someone had had recently posted on our, on the invasion of the web uh, of the web invasion, invasion of the, the webcast. podcast uh, Facebook page. I cannot talk tonight, folks. Um, they had posted like I was kind of surprised to hear you guys be so glowing about the Last Jedi, and I presented them like I'm like, well, our, our guest Jeff for that episode. I hadn't listened to it in a very long time, but I'm like, he was definitely more pro for the film. I'm like, I was. Are you Definitely. hinting that friend of show Jeff is a Russian bot? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but like you kind of moderated and you you gave, you know, your um your opinions where they fell in, but like for the most part it was a discussion between me and Jeff where Jeff would talk about something that he was excited about and a lot of times I would bring it back to like I didn't like this element or I didn't like that element. Yeah. But I wouldn't exactly say it was glowing that review. Um and we still talk about this movie to this day. Like it's almost a year later, and I'm still like, yeah, things I liked, things that I didn't like, and one thing that I really hated. I, being the thing that Je- Last Jedi is really your Space Jam and not Rocktober. No, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, but even my wife is surprised that that I own it. She's like, why did you buy that? Because she hated it. Like, and I'm like, I, I'm like, I, there are things in this movie that I genuinely like, but we are Mark in a camel. <laughs> I mean, the actor. Yes. Mm. Um, no, I, I. I I do think that, like, yes, in some ways we are at a point where, like, everything's the greatest thing ever or the worst thing ever. Like, there can't be any in-between. And that's where I fall on 
the last jedi is very in between but the, the, the reports are implying though that the negative backlash was amplified then there's other reports out there saying well it wasn't as like the the, the russians weren't as nearly as influential as you think but it's still to show that like the idea that um so example and this will tie into the other half of the story which isn't this but you'll see in a second um that uh, there's accounts out there that just exist just to write, you know, negative stuff, and then people automatically glom onto that saying it's reality. Yeah, absolutely. I, so. I believe that at 100%. Like, that does not surprise me at all. And the, thing, I, the thing that kills me is that, like, I don't know about you, but I feel like I do a pretty good job of, of parsing out what I read online as what I believe is to be real and fake. Yeah. But then when stuff like this happens, to realize that I may not even understand reality as I know it. Like, just, yeah. But I do. I think I do a pretty fair job of, of absorbing the media that I trust from the sources that I'm coming from. But then, then you got to question where they're coming from. And but that 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 also makes it sound like that nothing can be trusted, and that's not true. But like like so, the other part of this is um, you're you like you can explain the Lady Gaga Venom thing a little bit better than because you explain it to me. Yeah. So um, I mean, the long and the short of this is is that uh, very similar to what's happening with the last or what happened with the Last Jedi. Um, or probably Dawn of Justice is probably the better example because Dawn of Justice, before it came out, suddenly there was a lot of like people saying like, oh, Dawn of Justice is the greatest superhero movie that ever came out. Um, and, you know, it came out and people were like, oh, no, it's it's not really. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, there is two movies coming out this Friday, October th- 5th. Because uh, <laughs> today's the third uh but october 5th uh both venom uh starring tom hardy and then a star is born starring lady gaga and uh rocket, rocket raccoon, raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> comes out oh what was his name from uh Red hot american summer i feel like that'd be even better to pull it uh what's his real name i can't like uh shoot uh bradley cooper bradley cooper yes you know, uh, mr hangover <laughs> but uh there has been an attack campaign by Lady Gaga fans trying to drag Venom through the mud, which already is not doing well critically. Like they're, I I don't understand the point of stoking the fires when like critically the film is not doing well. It's not going to change box office dollars because people are going to go see it regardless. But I just think it's funny that like suddenly there's been a rash of fake reviews coming out from Lady Gaga's fans who call themselves little monsters. Which well, the thing that kills me is that she has anthems like "Born This Way," yeah, and, and she's all about like "Let Your Freak Flag Fly" and and everybody is loved and they're accepted, unless it, not her, but unless it's a Venom film, <laughs> like, right? Like, there, there's there's this weird unless it's going of, up against her film, unless it's yeah. going up against her film, which you know, like it's just. It, there's going to be a, the way film companies work is that there's going to be a couple different movies coming out that week. And, yeah. and maybe a star is born is going to bury venom. And, and from all intents and purposes, um, even though venom's still tracking to make a lot of money, it looks like here's um, the thing though. Like I feel like star, the star is born is one of those movies that is going to probably have a nice even trajectory, which I think people overlook a lot. It's going to open time. well and probably pr- just keep going. Yeah. And, and some word of mouth is probably. Keep Whereas Venom, it. depending upon how well it does, it, or how good it is, is probably going to open big and then either fizzle hard, fizzle hard or just continue to do what it was doing. But yeah. like either way, the, the, the film audiences are going to make that decision. Ultimately, the thing that kills me about this too, is aside from the fact that Lady Gaga would probably be upset that, 
her fans are purposely trying to kibosh someone else's efforts. Kibosh, good word. Yeah, thanks. Um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm an experienced podcaster. You know, just rip off the knob and keep it tuned to us. No, uh, <laughs> all, all through all the Shocktober. Rocktober. <laughs> um, no, it's just like... If you go back and and, and not the, again, this is the, this is funny talking about nostalgia and all this stuff. If you go back to the, like the early '80s, there was so much counter programming from studios. There was so many different options, and there was also a lot of big heavy hitters going against each other. And granted, social media wasn't what it was then because it was it didn't exist. But like the notion of competition for your dollar was, was like you know put out a better product. Like if your product's better, it's going to rise to the top. And this one, they're not saying, is your product better? It's like, we support this artist. And it's like, I just, like, if someone, like, there, there's probably, if you have, like, the, the Venn diagram of Lady Gaga stars, Born fans, uh, and Bradley Cooper, Trash Panda, and uh, Venom fans, they probably cross over a little bit, right? And, and and if they cross over in the sense that, like, one person might be really into comic book movies and one might really be into a movie that's been made three times already, which is true, yes. th- there's going to be some crossover. And it's like, guess what? I don't know about you guys. You can buy a second ticket during the yeah. weekend and go see it. Like, like I, I, here's my shameful omission. Uh, Mary and I, like when Deadpool came out, the, the, the first one, we went to see Deadpool and then watch Zoolander 2 right after. Zoolander 2 really didn't hold up that well after Deadpool. But we went to go see two movies that weekend yeah. because we had interest. You can do that. It's right. okay. And, and if you want to support one or the other, that's fine. If you don't want to support one or the other, that's fine too. What I don't get yeah. though is, is like, it's not like you're, I, I just don't understand this unhealthy level of like backing your horse in the race. Like yeah. you're not gaining anything by this. You're not like because I'm very much I'm very much of the mind support the artists that you like. I absolutely believe that 100 percent of the time. But I'm never gonna go online and be like I'm gonna trash another movie so no. that somebody will hopefully see something that I either like or somebody that I support. Like you know, Halloween comes out in another three weeks and. You know, I'm hoping it's amazing. Minute. <laughs> like, you're, like, you're like just staring at the clock, and I'm like, Steve, there's not a clock here. You're like, yeah, but I got it in well, my mind. Technically, it'll be four. It'll be two weeks uh, oh, when this okay. is released. So okay. fair enough. Um, uh, because uh, it's it's like two weeks in a day. Yeah. Anyway, um, point being, like, I'm never gonna go online and like, regardless of the quality of the film, I'm never gonna go and I don't even know what it's opening against it that that weekend. But I'm never gonna be like. You know, oh, Littlefoot is terrible. Little, you shouldn't little see Littlefoot. Foot. See little Halloween. Foot. Like, I don't know what's going to be opening against it, but <laughs> That's, that came out by the way. I oh, think. all so, right. Let's see here. Um, what, what, how? What? 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 What day does it come out? Uh, it comes out the nineteenth, October. But 19th. I'm hoping to get a. I'm hoping to see it the eighteenth, the the night before, because oh. usually they'll do the seven o'clock like yeah. previews or whatever. <laughs> Okay, let me just see what's going on here. Let's, uh, um, oh, come on. Uh, where's Rotten Tomatoes? That's probably, I'm just, I'm just curious. <laughs> why we do this? What, what's the name of that site? It's got tomato in yeah, it. Is yeah, it Rotten you know, Tomatoes? Smash Tomatoes. Um, let's see here. Uh, anyway, um, now I'm just, oh, come on. I, I can't Google right. Come on. What's going on? Coming soon. Uh, opening this week, we know Venom. Uh, so, Star Wars is ninety four percent of Rotten Tomatoes. Venom is twenty eight percent. So, I don't, yeah. I don't think they really need the help of the little monsters at this point. Like, yeah, you know, critically at least. So, okay, um, coming. So, you said that what day was the Halloween? October nineteenth. Okay, October nineteenth. Uh, oh come on! I the 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 vir- not virtual um, the mobile version of the site's not great. 
Uh, who'd have thought? Because <laughs> um, it's coming through the theaters. Like they have stuff from the no. 12th and the 10th, but they don't have anything past that. Um, anyway, well, that's, I mean, that's not you important. Know, I, was, I was just curious. I thought it'd be funny to talk about what was coming yeah. adjacent to the Halloween so Steve can get on, on Twitter and bitch about it. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. I, I just, I. I don't understand what her fans th- her, her fans think that they're gaining by doing it. Like it just it it doesn't make sense. It it just as much as it doesn't make sense to me that like anyone would like go out of their way to bash the last Jedi online Jedi the last Jedi yeah the last online Jedi. or to you know try to get people not to see it simply because they didn't. Yeah, I mean we all have our opinions, but like to actively root against a film simply because. It's going up against something that you prefer just doesn't make sense to me. I agree. Um, so the only film I see from Port after Halloween is Johnny English Straits again, you know, with uh, Rowan Atkinson on October 26th. Wow. So I'm sure Halloween will have made its money by the time that Johnny English Strikes Again comes in and, and sweeps <laughs> up. All right. Anyway, enough about that. We've been going on way too long about news. So All this week, it's all news. It's, yeah, Newstober. All right. So. Yeah, let's just. Uh, so we're going to go into our talk for our first film of the month. We're going to do uh, Night of the Comet. So uh, we're going to listen to that trailer, and then we'll have our discussion about uh, the greatest '80s movie involving uh, shopping and comets. And now for our feature presentation. Did you ever wonder what it would be like to be one of the last people on Earth? We're talking ghost town. Who would you see? What would you do? Hey, I'm sorry if the end of the world makes me a little nervous. Where would you go? The stars are up ahead! Well, get ready to find out, because the comet is coming into your orbit. The legal drinking age is now 10, but you will need ID. Let's be real. It's the night of the comet. What do you give me if I come back? Texas. Night of the Comet. I'll be taking requests from all you teenage comet zombies. The night the teenagers ruled the world. Yeah! Night of the Comet. The Garden of Civilization is on us. Fiction, isn't it? Who would have thought the apocalypse would be so rad? <laughs> so I will say that, like, you know, as we go into this month, all the film choices are my choices. Um, and yeah, I, Steve held me up yeah. like, at knife point. <laughs> and I'll also say that uh, after, you know, watching this film again for, I don't know, the mil- millionth time, but uh, watching it this past weekend, it did occur to me that, like, if you showed me this movie now and told me that it was made today as a callback to the 80s, I'd be like, the 80s weren't like that. It's literally the most 80s movie ever, <laughs> like, from the style to, like, it almost feels like it's overdone. Like, you'd be like, oh, God, the 80s weren't that crazy. And they totally were. So, okay, before we get into the Night of the Comet and, and full, um, I just, Steve Steve did mention that the, this month of uh, Shocktober is going to be, um, all all movies he's picking, I, and I, I asked him to do this because um, I know last year we did um, just like sequels to everything, yes. like undeserved sequels, like uh, un- not undeserved sequels, but like um, under um, overlooked sequels, or right? like you know, basically I know uh, I had you on for Texas Chainsaw Two, which that was a weird movie. It was fun, but it was weird. And then we did, looked at uh, what was it? Um, you watched Exorcist Three, Exorcist Three, um, uh, Re- Return of the Living Dead Two, and. Um, 
Critters 7. That's not the last one. No, that's <laughs> not true. Uh, there was another one in there. We got, uh, it was uh, Halloween 3. That's what we looked at. Uh, so this time around, I just was like, here, carte blanche, pick what you want. Um, I feel like a lot of these are all going to be like 80s. Like uh, you kind of already. They are about, all yeah. 80s films. Yeah. So we talked about the nostalgia for a video store. This this to me feels like we're taking a trip, you know, like to Beware Video or Mom and Pop, whatever. And this would be the stuff that we pick up. So these these movies, which um, we're still deciding the year of the knockoff. Like I said, we mentioned we'll get that later. But you picked these movies specifically for a reason. So could you just front sell a little bit about what this month is going to be? Yeah. So I mean, the films that we're going to be talking about this month are probably the films that I would say are my. I don't want to. I don't know how to put it as my introduction, but they're the ones that uh, have stuck with me over the ages in my um, introduction to horror. Um, I, I've mentioned on previous uh, podcasts that I didn't really rediscover horror or come into loving horror the way I did until my late twenties. But when I was younger, regardless of genre, I would watch anything. Um, and it wasn't until I got into my later years, my later years, I make it sound like, was until I hit 80 that I discovered uh, horror movies. But like, I really... I do make sure you have your fix in it before you start recording. <laughs> started revisiting things that I, I liked as a kid in the horror genre and kind of found like, oh, this is this is stuff that I really loved. And like, what is it about that... that you know, I loved and and what inspired me and what were these films that really gr- stuck with me. Um, so, looking back at this film, like this is a film that when I look at it, I think to myself, um, my version of it in my head is always far darker than the actual movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one of the c- discussions that people always have is is like. It, for people our age who have kids is like w- what horror movies would you show to your kids to try and introduce them to the genre what would you show them to get them into horror movies or at least that you feel are you know not like you're starting with you know the exorcist or something along those lines <laughs> um and a like when i said i thought that it was darker in my head one of the things that i'll admit is is that i i until recently didn't realize that this movie was just a pg-13 for me it's always been like a hard r and like for whatever reason, every time I watch it, I'm like always kind of like, oh yeah, I guess it's not as dark and no. There's a lot of implied things, and then some of it's more dreamlike. Yeah. yeah, but for me, like when I saw this as a kid, it was like <laughs> it was the perfect horror movie for me at that age. Um, it involved, you know, uh, zombies that were unique in the sense that like 80s zombies had a very <sighs> How do I put this? Um, they were characters where I feel like a lot of zombies now are very much made to look like everybody's the same. There's a lot, not a lot of uniqueness to zombies. The 80s is filled with like your zombie movies. All the, the zombies are characters and have interesting features mm. about them. Um, there's not a whole like uh, these two look alike or they're all... D- you know, falling apart in the same way. A lot of them had characters, but these zombies weren't also the hardcore like night of the living i'm sorry return of the living dead zombies where they were you know just walking around and and yelling brains and they they were like this weird in between okay um and i i realize that i'm i'm kind of going off again on a tangent but like <laughs> the point that i'm trying to make is is that this was a movie that to me as a kid was very very much one of those late night movies that i loved watching and then also if i was somebody who's like 
introducing a kid to horror this would probably be one of my top picks along with like monster squad and ghostbusters like i i put it in that realm okay so so all right i'll so, let you yeah. talk now no 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 that's no, fine so it's the, some groundwork here night of the common 1984 uh directed by uh written and directed by uh, tom eberhardt starring robert beltran we'll talk about him more later we'll, <laughs> uh, aka chakotay from star trek voyager uh <laughs> catherine Marion stewart uh kelly maroney sharon farrell mary warrenov and jeffrey lewis i love jeffrey lewis i want to talk about him a little bit when we get to him um and yeah so this uh, it, the budget of seven hundred thousand dollars made fourteen four fourteen point four million in the box office, a success. Um, basic premise of this is that you have let's see are the characters' names. We have uh, Kathy Marion Stewart, Catherine Mary Stewart as uh, Reggie Belmont. Her she's working in a movie theater. It's yeah. like Christmas time ish, like couple like a week and a half before Christmas. Yeah, I believe it's like December fourteenth, something like that. They yeah. say it's eleven days before Christmas. I believe at one uh, point working at a theater, uh, and also. Uh, this is while this is supposed to be the night of this big comet that has not like been near the Earth since the time of the dinosaurs, and uh, she's kind of bummed out that she's working. Uh, her her kind of boyfriend on again off boy, off again boyfriend is also working as projectionist. She wants to stay shacked up with him all night. She's eighteen. She can make her own decisions. Damn it! So she tells her stepmom that she's staying there. Well, no, she tell her stepmom she's going to observatory. Yes. for the comet party. Uh, her sister is uh, uh, Samantha, Sam Belmont, played by uh, Kelly Maroney, who I loved in this movie. I love both of them in this film, but she was great as the younger sister. Mm -hmm. uh, cheerleader uh, who is at, stuck at home, doesn't want to be there, and they deal with the stepmom. Whole thing's under the auspice of this whole night of the comet whenever people are outside partying. This yeah. is supposed to be a big deal, right? And so the comet hits, and... Uh, the next day you find out that things didn't go so well for everybody that was outside looking at the comet. Uh, and the, so Reg finds out that, uh, most of the people are turned to red dust and those that were not directly exposed to the comet are kind of these, um, quickly decaying zombies. Yes. And that starts off your story. You find out that there is, uh, an underground society that kind of saw this coming. that are trying to preserve mankind, but they also have their own motives. Yeah. And yeah. I, just on on that cast, I wanted to mention a few things. Yeah. Like a, uh, during our last Starfighter uh, show, I kept slaughtering Catherine Catherine Mary Stewart's name because I think we kept saying like uh, Saint Catherine or uh, Saint Catherine, not Saint Catherine, but uh, what's the oh, um, what's her name um, from uh, is it the from Siren Live? But long story short, Sister I kept talking Mary about Catherine. yes, uh, how much. I loved Reggie and how much I loved her in Last Starfighter. And she was sort of this, in my brain, sort of like this perfect girl because she was these two characters who, you know, I, I loved her in Last Starfighter and I loved her in Night of the Comet. Um, and both, oddly enough, feature, or at least start with uh, the main character playing video games. So yeah, she's the girlfriend of thread. Alex Rogan, who is great as Starfighter. And uh, and she's really good at Tempest. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, Kelly Maroney, uh, who plays the sister Samantha, um, the other movie that she's in from this era that I. So to be fair, she's also got a small part in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which I love. But she's in another film called Chopping Mall. Have you yes. ever seen Chopping Mall? Oh my goodness! I, I, that I, I know you picked it. In, it, I, <laughs> it almost made it onto the list. Well, okay, promise me at some point, regardless of Halloween or not, we're going to revisit Chopping Mall. All right, we can talk about Chopping Mall at some point. Yes. Um, 
I, like, I, like that would have been like a hard thing to ask you to talk about. Like, hey, Steve, I know we have a lot of these podcasts lined up. Do you want to do about chopping? Stop shaking your head. Yes, let me finish the question. There was actually a, a beautiful Blu-ray edition of it that came out last year from Vestron Video. Uh, they're re- redoing all of the Vestron Video um, features from the 80s. In oh, these chopping in- malls like if RoboCop was a, like Robo Mall Cop. Yeah, <laughs> except uh, he's like the slowest looking robot you've ever gonna you're ever gonna see oh, and yeah. there's no human to it but uh yeah yeah um and then mary warnoff who uh plays audrey in the show in the, in the show in the movie um was in one of my favorite movies that i actually didn't discover until again like i was like 28 was death race 2000 i don't know if you've ever seen oh, the original death race 2000 i have it's a okay. frankenstein friend of mine yeah um, she's she's in that, and then she's also in a movie called Terror Vision. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I know that. the name. I have not seen that. Okay. I know the cover art. It has that eyeball. Yeah. Right uh, but she's kind of a common thread through a lot of the films that I watched when I was younger. Well, and there was the poster for Death Race 2000 in the movie theater yeah, in the film. Which I thought was a nice little wink yeah. to the audience. Um, and then, obviously, you mentioned Jeffrey Lewis, who's got a lot of credits to his name. Yeah. I will forever think of him as Banjo from Banjo and Sullivan in The Devil's Rejects, but uh, he's, like, all over the place. Like, he's in a ton of stuff. Yeah, he died. I didn't realize he died recently. Yeah, he died like 2016, I think. Yeah, something like that. Um, but he has like he like what I remember him most recently from something I'd seen was High Plains Drifter. Okay. He was in it for like a second, but like he showed up in some of the other Eastwood films. But he's a very distinct, recognizable. Like you just see you just see him, you know who he is. Like you you may not know the name Jeffrey Lewis, but you know who he is. Yeah. That's, so he's um, one of those actors that you're like he's that guy and yeah. you, people will know who you're talking about yeah, yeah. And he plays a wonderful uh kind of dick character in this film so, yeah. yeah so um yeah like you you picked this you said that this was kind of like this would be your like good like if people kind of want to get their feet wet with like 80s horror but not get too scary um i i swear i thought i'd seen this movie before i okay. swear i thought i had and I think I maybe I've seen the first half of it previously, mm-hmm. and I just don't remember the second half. It was one of those things where then, like on like during the weekend, we went to go watch it, and I didn't get to finish it at that time because I don't know uh, Browns and football and beer, or whatever. I just, I just I didn't get to finish it. But then I went and watched it um, in its entirety yesterday, and I'm glad I did uh, because there was a lot in the first half that I missed that was actually really good, like smart humor, as in not like this isn't. The most intelligent script written, but there's a lot of things that they do to empower the characters that you're like, you don't see in a lot of movies, even now. Yeah. That I appreciate. Um, the character, the sisters, they, since you find out that like um, their stepmom, uh, you know, doesn't care for them. And there's even a bit where uh, the younger sister confronts <laughs> the stepmom about her kind of cheating on her dad with like a local neighbor and the, the stepmother slaps her, so she slaps her back, yeah. and then the stepmother just hauls off and punches her, her yeah. right in the face. It's like, it's so off-putting and sudden. She's got a great line, too, right before she decks her. She's like, she's like, Jesus, Doris, you've already got an asshole. You don't need Chuck. <laughs> yes. And I love that line. line. And um, so you get the notion, though, that the sisters are very self-reliant. They don't give a shit. They're going to do it. Like they're going to, they're going to not, not, not do what they want, but they're not going to tell someone's going to tell them, no, they're not going to take that. 
they're they're very self assured and very confident and very capable in what they do. Yeah, um, which is a weird dynamic for Reggie because she doesn't start off in the best place, at least in her relationship with her douchey boyfriend. Well, did you notice who? So she, when you see her in the in the movie theater, she's playing Tempest and being yelled at by the guy working behind the counter, selling like these dealy bopper like headgear for like yeah. nine ten dollars. Do you realize who that guy working behind the counter is? Is selling all that stuff? Did you recognize the actor? I mean, I recognize the actor, but I don't. Is there something specific? I yeah, he's the uncle on UHF that gets the TV station. Oh my god, he is. <laughs> he's Henry Bilchek, I think oh was the character of UHF. And I kept watching it. I'm just like, he's selling dilly boppers for ten dollars a piece. <laughs> he's going to win a UHF station later at a card game. You know. So we somehow found a way to connect <laughs> UHF <laughs> and Night of the Comic. I, I love just love it. him how he's just like it's, it's he's like it's ten dollars or he keeps telling the one guy he's like she's wearing the seven dollar version it's ten dollars and they are the crappiest like head yeah, bobbers yeah. that you've ever seen and it's like, like the only time you see him in the entire movie he just tells Reggie he's like walk the floor he's like I don't want these psychos cutting up my seats. <laughs> But there is, like, that is part of it for me as well. Um, I think when I saw this, my brother, he worked at a movie theater for, like, most of my, like, younger years. My brother is five years older than me. Um, So a lot of the movies that I did see during my... I feel like he started working there in 85, so from, like, 85 to 89. um, So from, like, the time that I was 11 to almost 15, I saw everything for free. And I got a lot of backs. I got a lot of access to things that like people didn't get to see. Like my brother would take me to the theater at like 11 o'clock at night when they were closing and we would hang out and watch a movie at like one o'clock in the morning. Like the, the thing was like he was best friends with the manager. So like they'd be like, yeah, we're going to order a pizza hangout. We're going to quote unquote clean the theater and then we're going to watch a movie or do whatever. Well, that's and, crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. I used to, I used to love doing that. And so, like, setting this in a movie theater, which is weird that I never worked in a theater as a kid. I don't know why I didn't, because that would have been, like, the perfect place for me. Um, I kind of have that sort of fond thing of, like, man, what a magical place it was. And, like, <laughs> you know, it is kind of crappy. It's it's stale popcorn and, you know, crappy bobbers that the guy's selling. But, like, <laughs> I want to see a movie in that theater for some weird yeah. reason. Like, I don't know. There's something about it that I love. And I love that Reggie is playing Tempest, which is a terrible Atari game. Like, I don't know why they picked that no, one. No, that's a really challenging game. I mean, it's, it's a challenging it's, game, but it's not great. Like, yeah, I don't know. But I, mean, I would have had her playing Joust. I don't or, know. Or playing Starfighter. No, or, or, <laughs> or Tron. Tron, that's that's fair. But, um, yeah, so, like, she is, like, staying overnight, like I said, to shack up with her kind of on-again, off-again boyfriend who they're in the production, like, the, the um, not production, the the, um, the the projection room. That's yes. what it's the projection booth. And, um, and through some dialogue, you find out that the walls are steel reinforced because it used to be a fire code thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, the whole thing is like, so the the um, the boyfriend is taking these like rare prints of films and like kind of giving them the people in the middle of the night to go make copies of and then bring back. And there's like, and, and watching it, like watching the beginning again, I realized that there's some really, it, it's dumb humor, but it's like kind of funny in the sense that he's like haggling with this guy over the phone about a hundred bucks for the film reel. Yeah. And he was like, he bangs the phone on the counter. He was like, you know, can you hear me? Is the phone working? And then he pauses. He's like, 110? Now we're talking. I'm like, it took it just ten dollars for you to be well, like, yeah. It was nineteen eighty four. So you know, in nineteen eighty four, ten dollars was uh, a little bit more than it was now. But yeah, then he also he also promises Reggie uh uh fifteen dollars to stay the night, and then she's like, Oh, is this cause we're making it? And he's like, No. 
but you'd be worth a lot more than that was the case. I was like, this is weird. Like, ah, oh, you shouldn't say that. In a and way, I do count like that she's just shacking up with him because she's got nothing else to do. It's not yeah. like she's in love with him. She's not no. like, but at the same time, there is sort of this thing of like, why is she with this guy? Like, yeah, he's a complete tool. <laughs> so, like, and so in the morning, and also there's this that I just want to mention because there's a payoff. There's a whole thing where she's obsessed thinking about someone has a, a high score on her Tempest machine that's not hers and it's the initials DMK and she's yeah. like she's like who is this DMK and how dare you like and, and infiltrate my high scores of Tempest so she thinks about it a little bit and then the movie kind of leaves it lay until the very last moment <laughs> of the movie and I appreciate that so you find out this comment happens and it makes this guy look like a trapper keeper um, and then like in the morning, um, who was out in the full exposure of the comet has turned to dust, calcium dust, they said. Yes. And so, um, uh, so Reggie doesn't know this and, 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 um, Samantha doesn't know this, but they, so Reggie goes home, finds Samantha, Samantha w- ran away, quote unquote, and hid in a shed that was still, uh, still reinforced. Didn't know that that was the key. And she really thinks that like, like, you know. People just haven't really woke up yet and wandered right. around. She's like making cereal and yeah. she's like in her cheerleader outfit because she's ready to go to uh, cheerleading past it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then uh, it occurs to them eventually that there's nobody around, but they hear the radio and the radio announcer. So they run to the radio station, which that is the very 80s thing to do of just like, we have to go to the radio station. Yeah. Um, and which I love has got that radio like station. tons of neon in it, but and that's uh, the S leather couch, yeah. <laughs> like whatever that is. <laughs> but I do want to step back yeah. for just a second. When um, Reggie leaves the theater, she's accosted by this uh, her first encounter with like the the zombie type characters, yeah. and that's when I say that like I picture like eighty zombies having character. Like that was that was what I was talking about. Like that character is he's he's verbal, but he's also sort of messed up. He's driven. Yeah, and yeah. he's he's got like a very distinct look to him. Um, like he doesn't feel like he's, you know, just a a, a background zombie or anything yeah. like that. And I, I really like that approach to um, zombies in in eighties films. But she's she's on the aware when she gets to her her sister's house or the house where her sister is that like hey things are very very wrong it's also what i mentioned though she threatens that zombie saying i know how to defend myself that's true and she throws the keys directly behind her the motorcycle that she's trying to start (laughs) and then whenever you know she gets a free moment she runs back and tries to find the keys like don't most self-defense classes teach you to use the keys as kind of a weapon i think so yeah and it just felt like that was a weird thing to be like i know how to handle myself i want to toss these keys and not find them quickly in a second (laughs) but no but even then she she knows how to handle herself um, and then like her sister, like they, 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 they go to the radio station, um, and they kind of figure out what's going on there, which turns out that the, the radio guy was actually pre-recorded. Mm-hmm. And he even makes the comedy is like, Hey, maybe I can go check out the comedy. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you're dust, you know? And this is where they come across, uh, Hector played by Robert Beltran, uh, AKA Chicote from uh, star Trek Voyager. Yeah. And it's funny because he shows up in the movie. Like with his first line moments after Samantha says, like, uh, beam me up, Scotty. Like, yes. within, like, so she makes a Star Trek reference. And then and he then, shows up. <laughs> and Chakotay shows up. <laughs> so, how do you feel about uh, Reggie's casual racism towards uh, his character? Because she calls him, um, 
I think she said she doesn't call him a cholo, but she talks about like, oh, where did you get that piece? It might be okay on date night in the barrio. Like she keeps like, saying yeah. all this stuff, and she calls him Hector. Like she says this kind of real like dismissive, like like slightly racist stuff. And I just thought, and it goes away the rest of the movie. But I'm like, where did this come from, Reggie? Like it was weird. <laughs> yeah. So I know that um, in interviews about the film, Richard Beltran said that um, he actually wanted to make sure that they stayed away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that may be why they're so, while it's at the beginning, it, it goes away. Because um, I know that he had reservations about it, and he didn't want to play the character as a quote-unquote cholo. I'm not using that as my phrase. but no, that's that's, what, He didn't yeah. want it just to be like a stereotypical character, yeah. which, you know, that was one of the things that the movie swerved on and I liked. Uh, again, the, the sisters being self, like, you know, self-assured and independent. Uh, and also like, uh, there's a bit, they, I don't even know how they get the weapons they get later, but there's like, so they're in the radio station. They find out that there's nobody there. Um, but the younger, the younger sister, she decides that she's going to go on the air, which that, that part just made me, drove me batty because she goes up to the control board and pushes every single (laughs) fader all the way up. And I'm like, no, that's not what you do. You know, like, and then so she, like, well, goes, she wouldn't know. Well, she wouldn't know, but it was driving me nuts. Hell, and, I wouldn't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, like, I have four faders on my board, and, like, they're not all the way up, but I mean, they're up there, but I don't have, like, 16 faders. Right. Yeah. No. And she ends up making this kind of comment about how the world's over and the comic, what was it? She said, not comic, the the zombi, zombie comet teens or whatever. She says, uh, oh, she says, uh, teenage mutant z- uh, comet zombies. Yeah, that's it, which was supposed to be the original name of the movie. Yeah. And then she goes on this whole thing about like the drinking age is reduced to 10 but you got to have an id and she's kind of like you know having fun with the apocalypse because it hasn't really set in for yeah. her um but the, the whole thing is like the reality is kind of setting in for her older sister and for hector because hector's telling the story about how like you know he, he was shacking up with a girl that night before and then she ran off and got torn apart and he's freaking out and whatever so the whole thing is like they're kind of finding these survivors and there's also the sub story of this bunker that's full of people and you don't really know their intent until probably the, like the last third of the film. Yeah. Um, the whole thing is they're underground. They kind of saw this coming. I like their logo of the maze for yeah. their organization. That's kind of cool. This shows the detail they kind of put into thinking for this, but that's run by, uh, Jeffrey Lewis and, um, is Audrey white. Is that Mary uh, Warnoff? Mary Warnoff. Yeah. yeah. She's the one that's kind of the voice of reason and also realizing that maybe things aren't the what they think they are. Yeah, um, and up until like the third part of the film, she's apparently like we don't see any of the other women scientists until like later in the film. But mm-hmm. you're sort of like, why is she the only woman there for you know a little while? But then you you meet a couple others later once they get back to the base. But she's clearly the the one who is the voice of reason at least amongst that group. Yeah. So um, anyway, not to, not to go for the story plot by point, plot point by plot point, but so the the sisters realize like you know like things aren't going to probably get any better, and then there's there's a weird double fake out nightmare sequence involving the younger sister. Yeah, that's great, but it's so like oh there's a nightmare, and then another nightmare, and it's like it's it's funny, but at the same time it's like you feel kind of cheated, like because yeah. they show the zombie cops and. And all that. And that's, that's great effects and the bloody hands and everything's really, really creepy. Um, but you find out there's the potential that the younger sister might be having problems because they're, they're hinting that if you didn't get, even if you were completely protected from 
the comet initially, you could still be susceptible to uh, acceleration and degeneration. Well, she was in a shed, so it was also not like the most solid structure. It wasn't like being in a a, a, a reinforced yeah. projector room. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's some hints of that. She's like scratching herself and she's drinking a bunch of water and all this because the people in the bunker say that it's immediate dehydration and that you turn to calcium dust eventually, right? So, uh, but then it kind of, this veers off where like Hector goes to visit, his, they try to find his parents or his mom. And then the sisters are like, well, what are you going to do with like, you know, we're, we're depressed. Let's go shopping. Yeah. And the, I will say that um, the sequence where they're, they're in the mall or whatever it is, like a, it's like a JCPenney's or something. Um, and they're listening to girls just want to have fun and they're just like dancing and having a good time. There's a certain melancholy to that, that yeah. maybe wasn't intentional to the film, but it struck me as like, they just lost their step parent, which they didn't care for her, but th- their dad probably isn't around like, and there's a whole earlier bit where, um, Samantha was talking about like her high school friends and she has, the, she does really like as as over the top as she is at times, that moment when she's talking about her friends and their day to day lives, she starts crying. It's really effective, yeah. you know. And so, like this bit where they're just like you know just getting dressed, getting gussied up, and like having fun with each other, it's like the movie could have suddenly veered into a super dark territory, like you're talking about, and gotten very real and very sad. And I felt that at moments before what happened, as as dangerous as it was, it could have been way darker. Than what it was. Yeah, and what I'll say too that is interesting, um, and you mentioned it a little bit, is is that there's a scene where they're they're they've, they've come across some weapons and they have oh, yeah. I think they're Mac tens. I don't I'm not a gun guy, uh, so I have no clue. I honestly thought they were Uzis to begin with, yeah. and then realizing that they're not. Yeah, but um, it sets up a very important piece of the movie in the sense that like these girls know their way around weapons. It's not like they're suddenly like. A lot of films, it would be like, here's my gun, you know, and like suddenly the person's a crack shot with it, you know, like. <laughs> like, like the montage of three beer yeah. cans and suddenly they're the greatest draw ever. <laughs> yeah. Like they've they've just built it in that like yeah. they were army brats and like their dad trained both of them with, with all kinds of different weapons. I, I really like that aspect of it because it's also the most nonchalant way of doing it. It's like them just yeah. hanging out, having a conversation and, and shooting at a car and like one of the guns jams up, which actually really happened. And uh, the line that Kelly Maroney says about like daddy would have gotten us Uzis instead of this uh, was ad lib because they told her like if the guns freeze up, like just do something so that we don't have to get another take. Yeah. That's and it works too, is that the budget is so low that they wanted to avoid multiple takes. So uh, the director informed the characters, like if anything happens, just roll with it. Yeah. And so that that's her ad lib of daddy would have got us Uzis is like, like, I don't know if it's iconic because I mean I feel like there's a lot of people that love this movie, but that's yeah. that's a moment that just stands out. It's very matter of fact. Yeah. And then and uh, Catherine Mary Stewart just rolls with it. It's like like the kind of the shrug of like yeah, yeah like he would have. And like, it sets them up as like forces to be mess not to be messed with as as opposed to like somebody who's just been handed a gun and then suddenly is amazing at it. So I really like that. Well, aspect and I like of the it. fact that like Reggie calls out Hector's like revolver. Yeah. And that's why she makes the racist comment about this might be good in Date Night in the Barrio, but it's not there's no stopping power. Like yeah. she talks about this because she knows how but she knows what it is and how to handle it. And she talks about going to the firing rangers with their father and all that. I love it. Um then when they get to the mall later though, there's the bit where 
Like I looked at my wife and we're watching it and I was like, there's going to be a mannequin fake out at some point in the <laughs> sequence. Because I, like I said, I don't remember the second half of this movie at yeah. all. And then they're, like they keep showing all these mannequins. And I should mention, I'm sorry, the stock boys, they're still in the mall and yeah. they're screwed up. Um, that, that was actually fun and creepy. Like the leader of the stock boys, he, his he's very definitely matter the effect. most. He's the most. Uh, I don't. How do I put this? He's the most iconic zombie of the film. Like he's halfway between chewing the scenery up. Yeah. so much. Um, yeah. But I will say also when you mentioned the slight racism, there's also this movie does temporarily uh, present the problem of a lot of '80s films. Anytime that you revisit them, is a sort of anti-gay or like <laughs> there'll be a casual gonna, remark that's I wasn't like, going to mention it because but there's that one moment where uh, you know uh, Sam's character says something you're just like yeah, I don't know about that to be honest yeah. I mean like it is certainly something that would be a concern where it's like hey what if he's gay but the way they present it is not in that way it's more of a slanderous way a slander may not be the best word to use but it's, it's definitely a, a very like uncomfortable moment because I was revisiting Teen Wolf uh, a couple weeks ago, and I completely forgotten that the the word uh, the f word that's not uh, the, the other uh, f word uh, <laughs> uh, gets thrown around in that. And like, there are certainly moments in '80s movies where it's like, ah, uh, revisiting now give you that cringe of. Like, to be fair, Kelly, like, sorry, Kelly's character says it as a more of like she's kind of jabbing at Reggie because like that she believes that maybe Hector's the last man on earth. Yeah, and she's like, well, he seems sweet on you, but what if he, you know, but he didn't take advantage. Of, like that's also weird too. It's yeah. like if you're in a room with a guy during the nighttime and they don't sleep together, somehow he's supposed to be like <laughs> he's homosexual. I don't yeah. understand how that works, but but she's like kind of barbing at him, barbing at her a little bit. It's not entirely because, yeah. malicious, but it's still one of those things. Sudden, where it's like, and you're Ugh. like, oh. Uh, 1984, uh, yeah. right? But yeah, but the whole mall sequence and with the stock boys and how he was just like the guy, the leader of them, that was like, it, it's, it was a very uh, interesting portion of the film that, that was also like, so the idea that like they weren't entirely protected from the effects of the comet, the stock boys, but they were protected enough to where they could still function, but they weren't dust, but they were decaying, you know, and and because of that, like whatever mental stability they had, they may have been weirdos to begin with, but this is just causing them to go off the deep end. Yeah. It was interesting because they made the comment about like everybody was in charge of this before. Now we're the rulers. I liked, I liked that I was exploring some different outlooks of what you would do if you thought you were the last people around. Yeah. Um, I do feel like the reality of like, hey, civilization as we know it has collapsed was kind of treated with kind of a wink and a nod at the end of the, <laughs> the movie, but they at least addressed it. And then with yeah. the underground group of people, the whole notion was that they were supposed to survive. And then um, Audrey, his character, made the comment about how they, they forgot to turn off the outside vents. It's like, that seems like kind of an important thing if you're science people to be like, this comet dust is going to screw us up. <laughs> hey, it's a little warm in here. Turn those fans on, you know? Um, so I, yeah, they're, they're like, so like, I don't want to give away everything in this movie because I feel like it's a delight and it holds up really well. And again, like I said, I don't remember the second half until yesterday and I really, really enjoyed this movie. The first half was setting itself up to kind of be like the shrieking, I don't know, like it could have, it could have turned and just been stupid. Yeah. And the movie wasn't, the movie's not, there are moments of just like, I don't know if that's probably the best way to go, but whatever like Hector gets some moments later they're like is that really the best plan but whatever it's fine um watching with my wife she had never seen the movie didn't know what it was and she's like she's like 
I really like, you know, she's like, this movie's pretty smart for what it is. And I, I, and she kept saying that. And I'm like, you don't have to just say you like something. It's fine. You don't have to try to defend it. Yeah. And she's like, no, she's like every single problem that I think that they run into, they address. Yeah. And that's fair. Like, and I, and I respect that. And it's like, and the girls were very much self-reliant, which she appreciated as well. So I feel like there's a lot of this movie that still kind of holds up in a good way. Yeah. I mean, for me, the movie is, I self-aware is not exactly the word I would use, but it's aware of what it is. Yeah, and, that's fair. Um, it's a fun movie. Like, I, I think that that's the main thing is that like it's got some fun scares, it's got some good comedy, it's got some um, fun um, aspects to it. It just overall, it's it's a fun movie and like it's a it's a popcorn movie. But at the same time, it, it's a little bit smarter than most comet or comet movies. Most uh... of all the comet movies I've seen, <laughs> this is the first one. No, no, sorry, this is the second one. Maximum Overdrive is the first one that is not intelligent in any slight whatsoever, but. That movie has it's fun on its own. Merits. Well, there, there was another movie that came out the same year, much like the Armageddon. Um, Oh, what was the other um, asteroid movie that came out the same year as Armageddon? Was it? Uh, oh, uh, it was um, Deep Impact. Yeah, yeah. Uh, similar to the Armageddon Deep Impact. There was another movie that came out called uh, Evening of the Meteor. Um, <laughs> really? Which, no, I just made all that up. <laughs> but the point that I'm making is, is that uh, uh, it was a very fun movie. Like and uh, that seems like the polite British version of that. It's like Evening of the, the meteor. meteor. Oh no! Everybody's turned to dust. Oh, that's that's slightly troubling. Want let's, some let's, tea? Yeah. Let's <laughs> let's go to the crumpet store. I don't know what that means. You know, um, fancy but... a shag. <laughs> Fifteen quid. I don't even know. I have I have no idea what any of that money means. <laughs> 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 but I mean, I guess maybe, and you just brought up the British thing. I mean, maybe a fair comparison to this is, well, it's a much deeper movie and goes to much darker places. But Shaun of the Dead has a similar vibe in the sense that it's a horror comedy. Um, so uh, maybe that's not such a bad parallel to make. But you know, if if you're like looking for a fun night of of something to watch that's got the horror elements, got the comedy, and Quite honestly, it literally is the most 80s movie you're probably going to watch where you're like, wow, they really 80s it up. Um, I would suggest yeah. that, you know, this be the one that you watch. Um, you know, the only critique that I would have of it is is that, like, the the ending, I'm not kind of happy with the fact that Reggie suddenly becomes the mom at the very end because we find out uh, in the third act that there are also a couple of kids who survived. And yeah. her and Richard Beltran's character, Hector take them under their wing is kind of like surrogate parents. Um, so I, it's a little too trite of an ending, but it also has that zinger at the end of it. So I, 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 I also kind of like, like, I like the idea that red, like that she's waiting to cross the street and yeah. she's like, we don't cross against the light. There's this whole segment and uh Catherine Mary Stewart really sells the whole, like we don't cross against the light. It's so silly and stupid, but I appreciate it. I, yeah, then you find out really like who uh, DMK is. I think that's kind of funny too. It actually pays off. Yeah, and I guess that was something that over the course of the film, everybody kept asking the director like, "Who is it?" And he's like, "Well, fine." Like, like it was kind of <laughs> like he did. He's like he just threw it in because it was not supposed to be resolved. Yeah, but that's like a nice little button on the end of it. Of like, it doesn't really add anything, but it's kind of like oh, which I don't know that like, you get on the first viewing, maybe, yeah. but like you yeah. know, it, unless you're paying attention. But oh well, uh, yeah, like that's fair. But it just. 
the notion that society's collapsed and like two days after or however long it takes that there are other survivors, but it's like, maybe it's because we're too savvy as, as viewers now, just because of like something like the walking dead or whatever we expect, like the collapse of civilization, but they kind of view it as the opportunity to be like, we are the last civilization. And then like, uh, even like the comedy last man on earth, which I know you watched the fourth season. Mm -hmm. I did not. It's still as much as that, that show is gut bustingly funny. It dealt with like the reality of the situation. You yeah. Know? So that movie, that show took some dark turns. And I feel like maybe like that show wouldn't exist without Night of the Comet. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of that in that kind of in its DNA of just like, yeah, shit's bad, but we're gonna go on a shopping spree right now. Even though in Last Man on Earth, the way to open doors is to shoot them like, with a gun. <laughs> um, well, know. I will also say that I'm actually really glad to say, see that you enjoyed it because as I was revisiting it, I was like, oh no, like. I may no, have overshot no, no, my no. Uh, expectation on this. I'm like, so I, I was worried that you're going to be was, like, what was, did I watch? It was a little shaggy at parts in the beginning. And then yeah. to find out that supposedly in the trivia, I think Heather Langenkamp was supposed to be the younger sister. Yeah, she auditioned for it. I'm glad that didn't happen. Like, she's fine as Nancy in the Nightmare films, but I don't think she would have had the the same um, bombast that uh, Kelly Maroney brought to the character. Because she was like usually like anything would happen she'd be like okay well now we're going to deal with it this way yeah and i liked i liked the way her approach even though some of her her comments were kind of like that's a dumb joke but i like she never was in doubt of what she was going to do next and mm-hmm. i got that confidence like in the mall fight she didn't have a gun but she was going to throw shoes at the guys to distract them while her sister had a gun yeah she was going to the second floor and throw a tv like there was these things where it's like she was always like, well, that's what I'm going to do now. And then all oh, this guy's about to fight me. I'm going to take him out in two punches. And it was like, there was, I liked her matter of factness of like, well, we're going to do this now, you yeah. know? And then when there was the potential that she could be like, you know, disintegrating and like the hinting at what her fate was, I actually felt kind of sad. So yeah. it made, like for me to give a shit about like a high school sophomore or junior or whatever her ranking was and like her kind of oblivious post-apocalyptic self with the potential that she was going to be exiting the movie, I honestly felt bad about it. Yeah. So I liked her performance, Kathy Marin Stewart. I didn't realize that she was the dream girl I had of the eighties, but <laughs> she, she's like, man, they, I liked her performance in this. They gave her some good lines. She carried it very well. Yeah. Um, and I, and this is a good book in to uh, last Starfighter because she, was in that movie more than you probably, we just watched it recently, but more than people probably think. And she did carry herself very well in that too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, delight. And I, and I loved it. And Jeffrey Lewis for the limited time he was in the film. I liked him a lot in this as well. Uh, and even Robert Beltran, like you, you, you got along with like, you really like, there's a bit where he's driving along in like a 1950s, like, you know, convertible dressed up as Santa, Santa Claus. Claus. You're you like, buy it. You're yeah. like, it's fine. That's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I, I will yeah. credit the movie, too, for, like, it would have been easy to just say, like, he leaves the movie for a moment to go see if his family's okay, and then just cut to him coming back. Like, they actually spend a moment with him, like, discovering that, like, his family is gone. And there's a quiet moment in the house whenever, like, there's the record player that keeps playing the Christmas records over and over again. And he walks into the house and he thinks his mom's still okay because he hears the music and he realizes that's not the case, but there's a string of Christmas lights above the doorway that he, he just kind of puts back in place because it's fallen asunder, like falling asunder, falling aside. And it's like that quiet little moment of like, well, I'm putting, I'm putting the lights back because that's what my mom probably would have wanted. And this is the way my house is. Yeah. And it's like, 
it, it's this, it, and it's like something like that doesn't resonate maybe as big in this film as versus something like like the road or something where you know all hope is lost all humanity is gone and it's the small human moments that just make you want to bawl your eyes out but it was a nice little slow quiet moment and then it gets right back to the comedy you know with like the yeah. zombie kid chasing him and i feel like there's there's something that 80s films can do like that where it goes from like i don't, like the whole idea of a dramedy which this isn't a dramedy it's it's horror sci-fi comedy um, and you, you mentioned Shaun of the Dead. Edgar Wright has his finger on the pulse of like, I'll make you laugh till it hurts, but then I'm going to make you give a shit. Like, yeah. th- that's, that's not a lost art, but it's a, it's a hard line to walk. And I feel like 80s movies were able to do it because they didn't know they could fall off. Like they would just kind of be like, well, this is a, this is a horror movie, but it's going to be a comedy as well. And, and no one ever said, hey, you can't do that. Right. I feel like there was... So there's a weird there's a weird confidence throughout this entire movie, and then to find out that the writer and director, uh, Tom Eberhardt, had this idea of wanting to do like a film about like strong, younger female characters, and then while he was doing other projects, he would ask like younger like females like if the apocalypse happened, what would you do? Yeah, and he would just like he would get their answers and kind of fold it into the script, mm-hmm. like that. That's kind of a that's kind of a real good knowing. Like I'm going to kind of like what would girls like girls do at this time? Oh they would go on a shopping spree. Like not, not that he was generalizing it, but that was the responses he got. Yeah. And it was, it was interesting snapshot of the time, you know? And then even the scientist even mentioned like, where would a bunch of teenage girls go to? And the one guy's like, I have an idea. It's as bad as a joke <laughs> yeah. as it is. It's like, yeah, where else would you go in the eighties? Right. Probably the mall, you know? So yeah, no, this was a fun movie. I enjoyed it a great deal. Um, it's smarter than you think it is. Uh, the humor is very knowing. Even the opening narration is very, uh, it's very much tipping its hat that things aren't going to go well. Cause the hints of the dinosaurs going away. And then also like how confident everybody is and they don't know what's coming. Um, I like all that. I like the, uh, the obvious red filter placed over the top half of the frame of every shot yeah. because they couldn't really show otherwise. But it works. It like works. It, it, it does it, work. It, well, it may be obvious at the same time. It still works. I had no idea when I, you know, watched. Yeah. I wasn't savvy back then. Like, I don't know. Like, uh, for me, this film is sort of like the perfect movie to sit down with, like, I got pizza and maybe some beverages and either a group of friends or even if you're just by yourself, like it's almost like comfort food for me in a way um, where it's like it's it's a, a throwback to a time when I was discovering things like, you know, uh, zombies and horror and stuff like that. And just uh, it's it's rich with so many different colors and, and I don't know. I don't know how else to put it, but I think it's kind of like one of the. I, I don't want to say it's a perfect '80s movie, but I mean it's 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 very much of its time. It's very yeah. much a fun movie, but it's not overly obnoxious uh, about it. So that's fair. That's a good way to put it. So yeah, no, this was a fun movie. If you guys have not seen any of the comment, uh, check it out. Like I think it's um it's worth watching. Yeah, and we glossed over the third act so that you would have something to watch and, <laughs> and still enjoy. But like, yeah, I, I would highly recommend this, especially if you're somebody and maybe you want to view it before you have kids. Like I would say there's no nudity. Or before in you it. go out and watch comets. Yeah. 
Well, you know there is a skull-shaped comet that's headed for the Earth. You're aware of this, right? Yeah, I'm aware of that. Okay. Did you also hear the story that there's a goblin planetoid that's now um, orbiting our solar system that we finally discovered? They call no. it. They call it Goblin. <laughs> it's like it's like nothing I, Goblin can be like good. Like I don't know. It has this weird like orbit that like it's like it orbits it completes its orbit like every like sixty thousand years. And it's like one third of the size of like Pluto or something, but they've discovered like they've found because of its um, the, they've 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 discovered it because of the times that they've tracked where it isn't and where it is, so they know it's there. And it, they call it a goblin. I don't know, it, but it makes me think of the Wayne's World thing whenever he'd pull out the flashlight and freak out uh, <laughs> Garth and be like, "I'm the goblin," or whatever he'd say. <laughs> so, so yeah, there's a skull-shaped uh, comet coming for Earth, and there's a goblin out there. So but we're all gonna be red dust yeah, it's, anyway. It's, it's, it's a cheddar goblin. Uh, cheddar goblin. Oh, yeah. So no, neither the comet. It, it, yeah, no, it's it holds up. I mean, there are. There are much more beloved 80 movies that are probably more in the public mindshare that are much shaggier and don't hold up as well. Yeah. I don't think this is one of them. I think it has a knowing kind of nod for the kind of film that it is, but you're right. It is definitely of its time, but it didn't take itself seriously. And yeah, it was fun. I, a good call. Like I would never have pulled this out to talk about it. So I'm yeah. glad you enjoyed it. And I, and, and I feel always a good little obsessed with my wife because there's a lot of stuff that I'm always like, we're going to watch this. She's like, I don't know what that is. And so if <laughs> like, and that, cause just, it just stuff doesn't occur to her or she's never, you know, it's never been on her radar. So for her to be like, I really, she's like, you know, I didn't know how this movie was going to go, but I really liked it. And I feel like that's a really good stamp. That's of a good barometer for yeah. yeah. Cool. So yeah. I don't know what else you have for Night of the Comet. Um, uh, just like, you know, like I said, like you got a random Friday night and, you know, you got some pizza and you're just looking to relax in the movie. I think this would be a good choice. Yeah, absolutely. And if you guys do watch it, pay attention to the painted sets in the underground lair. There's a lot of hallways that are not nearly as long as they want them to be. <laughs> and it, they take like amazing, like sharp vertical uplifts like yeah. immediately. And it's so great because I'm like, it's very like very much of its time where it's like we don't have a hallway we're just going to paint one in the background very looney tunes i love it yeah i'll also say that um uh oh god where was i going with that all right i completely lost it there's also a bit too there there, there's a bit with uh sam's character where she gets off an elevator you just see her feet yeah she she does like the purposeful directional walking that you see Mm -hmm. in a lot of films where it's just shoes pausing and then turning to the left and walking off but they did that because they didn't have the the actress yeah and they didn't have an elevator either they just use screens yeah um and people keep they they ask tom it's like that was very forward thinking of you not doing like the pan up showing the back half of the female and he's like that wasn't her you know but but then people forget like they had her stripping in a bathroom sequence like it was so like i don't know anyway it's it, it no this was a fun movie and it was a good kickoff to the month of uh of shocktober that's not what we're going to call this we're probably going to call it that is that do you prefer shocktober or rock like is this better than rocktober <laughs> shocktober is better than i mean spocktober is better spocktober. than uh that's it than we're rocktober. watching all star trek the rest of the time now it's spocktober so anyway yeah that's gonna do it for uh, for night of the comet uh yeah it was fun that was good uh, so before we get on to the game, maybe we should do some uh, housekeeping here. Uh, you guys can find us at Vage of the Podcast. Uh, we're on Facebook, VageofThePodcast.com. I just put up a blog about watching a sequel to a knockoff of Escape from New York called Escape from the Bronx. Uh, go and see my feelings there. I put up many gifts of, regarding the movie, so you can watch it without having watched it. I feel yeah. like that's perfect. I looked at them while eating Jif peanut butter. <laughs> I the was gifts. eating Gif peanut butter while that was going on. 
Uh, and you guys can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Podbean, wherever you get your podcast. Please find us, rate and review us. Uh, and Steve, how can people find you? Check me out at the Saturday Night Slasher.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter under the Saturday Night Slasher. And there's also a Facebook page for the Saturday Night Slasher. So any of those places would be a good one or a good place to find me. And uh, I will be hanging out probably with Paul at uh, Cinema Wasteland this coming weekend. Yeah. And then uh, at the end of the month, October 28th, I'm going to be at the Cleveland Halloween Flea selling my wares. So come by, say, say hello, and buy something. You'll be selling a bucket of fries. <laughs> slightly used i uh, know yeah so this weekend uh friday through sunday at strongsville holiday inn uh ex like uh, conventions it's, not, it's a hotel but the conventions there cinema wasteland uh what was the movie the my bloody valentine i think my, my buddy my buddy valentine my yes. buddy valentine yes my bloody valentine is, is like the original not the remake cat. but the original yeah so that's going to be the cash reunion there if you guys like uh genre horror kind of like night of the comet but there's a lot of other weird stuff there there's going to be uh, guests, there's going to be movies. Um, there's going to be a lot of people wearing black and walking around and drinking. Um, we will be there. Uh, a lot of friends of the show will be there as well. Uh, check it out. Let me see if there's any, let me, I got this here. Any guests that I should mention here? Um, off top here. Uh, that sounds bad. No one that I recognize. <laughs> that's that's unfortunate for me to say that. But a lot of the, a lot of cash. From a lot my of it's cast from My Bloody Valentine. So I can understand why you may not be familiar with them. Uh, Tom Savini's going to be there this time around too. Is he? Yeah. Okay. That's what it says. So if you want to go uh, meet Sex Machine from uh, from Dust Till Dawn, <laughs> that's the way to do it. I met him just a few months ago. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that will be there this weekend. It'll be fun. And also, since I mentioned this on the Facebook, because two two episodes ago we did do our year of the knockoff involving Escape from New York and uh, 1990 the Bronx Warriors. Uh, our our friend El Goro and inv- uh, invasion uh, talk without rhythm. Wow, no words to talk talk good words. I talked without rhythm there. I uh, talk without rhythm. Uh, he just recently covered Escape from New York and Escape from L.A. So if you guys want much more in depth, informed conversation, please check out his show at Talk Without Rhythm. If you guys wanted more information about John Carpenter and his films, so yeah, and he's also doing his Thirty One Days of Halloween right now. Yeah, I've already watching. listened to the first three. Um, yeah, the third film was a movie called Ghost Breakers with uh, Bob Hope. Bob Hope that I'd never heard of. So. Mm-hmm. He, I don't know if he broke some ghosts, but he's watching a movie that he's never seen uh, through all 31 days of October. That is impressive on top of his regular shows. I feel like, to me, watching Night of the Comet and then whatever the movies we're watching this month, it's like going to be like maybe four or five other movies. I'm like, that's a lot of movies. 31 for that and then his regular show. So I would highly check it out. Uh, recommend checking it out. I enjoy them. They're like you know 20-minute little bits about films. Very enjoyable. So, yes. yeah. All right. Uh, enough about that. Let's just get to our game. Time to play the game. All righty, so for tonight's game, we're playing a game of higher or lower uh, using spirit Halloween costumes. The idea here is, is that I'm going to give a baseline costume to Paul and a price, and I'm going to read him the description. And then uh, what he's going to do is, is he's going to decide if the costume I'm telling him about is higher priced or lower priced than the one that I gave him as his baseline. So to start the game, 
Any questions, Paul? No. I just, okay. Do I get Plinko chips if I answer yeah. right or wrong? Uh, that's the next game. <laughs> so the baseline costume that we're going to use is the adult Bob Ross costume. <laughs> the write-up for that is get all your friends together for a fun afternoon of painting when you dress up in this Bob Ross costume. Just like colors, everyone has their own favorite costume. But this one might steal the show at your next costume at your next costume party. Now, the actual price of this is $39.99. What this okay. includes is a Bob Ross wig and beard, a shirt, a faux paintbrush and palette set. I feel like without the paintbrush and palette, you could just go as like your stepfather. I'm pretty sure that you could actually just buy a, a wig and a beard and then get the other things much cheaper. Well, I'm just saying, like, if you didn't have the art stuff, you'd just be like the stepfather, like the cool stepfather, like the <laughs> third the third marriage stepfather that you're just like, hey, Bob, what's up? He's like, hey. Like, you know, like, you don't have, like, a father-son relationship. It's just more like, you know, your mom's happy with where things are now, and you're okay with him, too, because he seems like a nice enough guy. I just like the fact that, like, you've created an entire, like, backstory for <laughs> this costume. I just want costume. Bob Ross to be my dad. That's really <laughs> what I want. Yeah. So that's thirty nine ninety five. So okay. thirty nine ninety nine so is higher the or lower than Bob higher. Than, okay. So the okay. first one here that we have is the adult chicken inflatable costume. Now their write up on the site is: is why did the chicken cross the road to get to the Halloween party? <sighs> you blow everyone away, literally, when you walk around in this inflatable chicken costume. Be ready for the infamous question, though: what came first, the chicken or the egg? Anybody has to write copy for this, or they're in the ninth circle of hell. And they- <laughs> I'm going to say it's more than Bob Ross. That is correct. Uh, it's $59.99 for the adult chicken inflatable costume. That's foul. <laughs> I laughed a little too hard at that. <laughs> Alrighty, so the next one here is the adult Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Leonardo costume from Out of the Shadows. Cowabunga, dude. You'll be leading your friends to victory with this Leonardo costume. <laughs> You'll be everyone's favorite turtle at your next Halloween party. No one's favorite turtle is Leonardo. <laughs> it's all Michelangelo or Raphael. <laughs> Unless you're the nerdy one, and then you like Donatello. There you go. Show off your ninjutsu skills all night long. Padded shirt features muscular <laughs> biceps for a tough look. Stuff your backpack shell <laughs> to your liking and get to off to fighting your enemies with the katana sold separately. Oh, back backpack features elastic to hold your weapons. I'm gonna say it's more than Bob Ross just because of the various pe- like the the puffy shirt and the shell. So this was a very unimpressive costume because it was literally like just a shirt with muscles. And it didn't come with the weapons. Uh, it was twenty four uh, uh, ninety eight. But how much did you look up the price of the weapon? No, I didn't. Oh, I feel like that's going to push it over. Yeah, I'm sure it's yeah. like thirty dollars for the katana. I, I went to Spirit last year just trying to find the Rick and Morty portal gun. That was a nightmare and a half trying to find that because like I looked too late, and we had we, we I, like we work in my wife and I work in Mayfield, Ohio, which is the east side of Cleveland, like far east side. I forget where we went. It was like 40 minutes away because they had one left. And we're like, please hold it. They're like, well, and I'm like, hold it. Like, so like it was one of those things where it's like, we're specifically driving to a dying strip mall so we can buy a Rick and Morty portal gun, please. And we got it. Uh, so, yeah. like Because I feel like spirit stories are like one step away from the traveling circus that all the kids get disappeared into. Yeah, like, that's fair. Like, so, anyway. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So for the next one here, I've got the adult General Zod costume deluxe from Superman Man of Steel. 
If you're converting to the dark side this Halloween, you best do it in style. This officially licensed Superman Man of Steel General Zod costume includes a muscle chest jumpsuit with armor detail to protect you from those wannabe superheroes, a three-fourths mask to disguise your good looks, and a cape, oh, I'm sorry, cape, I was going to say cage, and a cape as every powerful man should wear upon his back. But you're Zod. Yes. So that means you're, um, oh, Michael... Michael uh, Shannon. Michael Shannon. Uh, less than Bob Ross. That is correct. It's 1999. I'm going to guess they've had that costume sitting around for the last like five years, I'm going to guess. And they're just trying to clearance it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that seems right. So um, unrelated, you, you mentioned this. So there was, um, I know you've not seen the Warcraft film, um, but they actually tried doing a Halloween push after it came out, and there was an orc costume that was available in Spirit Store, which is like you know a brown orc costume with an ugly face and a hammer. Mm-hmm. Um, I I tweeted that at Duncan Jones and asked him about it. Like he didn't respond. <laughs> like he liked it, but it was like he didn't talk. He didn't say anything. And I'm like Duncan Jones, who's the director of Warcraft. I guess he just realized like you know that's his vision. There in it Halloween is. Form. <laughs> I guess it's flattering in some some ways. Maybe I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Please continue. <laughs> so, I, I I'm not harassing Duncan Jones. There was just times where I'm like, please respond to this. <laughs> like, he would at least, if, you know, how do you feel if a celebrity likes something? Does it, you feel like they just went through and just like like automatically like something, or do you feel like? Oh, uh, I feel like, vindicated. Yeah, like I'm I'm important. So like the one time Drew Carey wrote back to me, I thought I was the greatest goddamn person on the face of the earth. <laughs> All right, so for number five, I've got the adult Louise costume from Bob's Burgers. I like you always put adult in here. (laughs) That kind of makes it creepy. (laughs) I hadn't even thought about that. The child-sized Zod costume (laughs) comes with broken neck. (laughs) These are lifted directly from the site. So, Uh, Become your favorite Bob's Burgers character, Louise, when you rock, rock this officially licensed costume. Let your sense of humor out this Halloween. The, the included dress, hat, and prop will make your costume the most authentic. Less than Bob Ross. You're correct. It's yeah. thirty six ninety nine. Because I mean, like, it's just a it's a rabbit head piece and like a green dress and something, right? Can't yeah. be that much. So. Well, I don't know. I think that the Bob Ross is way overpriced, but that's just me. I agree with that. Yes. All right. So this next one here may need some explaining. Um, well, okay. So first, I'll just ask: Have you watched any of the show Riverdale? No. Okay. Riverdale is a show based on Archie's Comics characters, um, uh, but it's done like in a very modern 90210 style. Um, In the show, um, Jughead and his father are part of a uh, gang called the Southside Serpents. So one of the things that you can get is the unisex Southside Serpents jacket from Riverdale. Wrap the serpents no matter where you go when you don this officially licensed Southside Serpents jacket. This high-quality jacket is made of faux leather and has the Serpent's signature snake logo embroidered on the back, making absolutely perfect for any Riverdale fan. Let everyone know you're as tough as they come and that you probably hang out at the White Worm in your spare time. And get the shit beat out of you. <laughs> um, more than Bob Ross. Yeah, yes. Yeah, $79.99. Bullshit. Yeah. yeah. You could, you could just go and take paper and make a crown hat <laughs> and walk around and take a shirt and cut the sleeves off, say it's jacket, you know, and, and make like, or whatever, like a jug head, right? So, 
I, but I also feel like I'm getting Jughead and Wimpy from Popeye confused. But Jughead was always kind of a loafer and a freeloader, right? Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. He he was mostly interested in just getting free food and hanging out. Yeah, that's what I figured he'd just want a hamburger on Tuesday, much like Wimpy. Yes. Yeah. I think he would actually take a hamburger any day, but that's, that's just me. That, that's fair. Yeah. All righty. The next one here is one of my all-time favorites because it's entirely dumb. Uh, the adult Miss Freddy Krueger costume Miss from Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare or Dream, this officially licensed Miss Freddy Krueger costume, is one incredibly scary outfit. Create havoc on Elm Street or in your own neighborhood in this red and brown striped sweater dress, complete with brown fedora hat and one signature metal <laughs> slasher glove with faux blades. Sweet dreams. No, so I'm just going to call that. I'm just gonna call that. No, no. No, uh, there should be no sexy Freddy um, unless it's just the nurse from the beginning sequence in Nightmare 3 when she's like, you know, tying the dude down the bed. Yeah. But then she like throws her tongue out of her face like four times mm-hmm. and then becomes Freddy. Other no. So I don't like <laughs> it's gonna be more expensive than forty, uh, but I don't agree with it whatsoever. Yeah, it's forty nine ninety nine. Yeah. No. So. Well, I would like you just to know that uh, one of the keywords that I looked up on Spirit for this was the sexy Halloween costumes, and that was one of the ones that came up. Looking for sexy pinhead. <laughs> well, there was oh, there was the one the one girl that was kind of like was it how was not Halloween? Uh, Hellraiser three? No, no, there was the girl Cinnabite that was in the first couple, right? Yeah, yeah. She was I, way more like approachable than Pinhead, so I guess yeah. I should say that. But it'd be I, like, I still don't know that I call her sexy. Versus Pinhead? Well, sure, but like, yeah, I, that I, all of them kind of exuded, all of them exuded sex. I don't know if they exuded sexiness. Yeah, that's but, fair. But it'd be like, uh, <laughs> what was it? Uh, female Leprechaun, not from the the St. Patty's Day holiday, but from the film Leprechaun. Well, did you see that like, company that made the uh, the sexy sexy um, hands made tail? Uh, <sighs> No, I mean I saw it in passing, but then like there and then was like also... had to like take it away when people were just like, "This is awful." No, do you it's... understand what the hand Handmaid's Tale is about? Yeah, and someone put out a hand Handmaid's Tale like wine. It's like you don't just like get together <laughs> and be like, you know, I'm just going to drink a little bit of wine and just like and, like relax, talk about Handmaid's Tale. No, yeah, no, <laughs> I don't know. That'd be like I don't know. It'd just be like female Jason from Friday Thirteenth. Oh, they got that too. No. I just didn't pick that one. <laughs> Whatever. Number eight. And this is right up your alley, so I think you're going to get this one right. Sexy something. Yeah. It, no, it's well, maybe adult <laughs> adult pickle Rick costume. Oh, that's Rick sexy. Oh, <laughs> turn yourself into a pickle, just like Pickle Rick. This officially licensed Pickle Rick costume is perfect. Licensed as opposed to the VeggieTales costume that they slapped arms on. It's perfect for every Halloween party. Ugh. You'll be the coolest pickle in town. Just make sure everyone knows you're not a snack. Yeah, it's more than Bob Ross because it's a whole pickle Rick costume. Ironically, not. It's thirty four ninety nine. So they just had a pickle costume that they just put the word Rick on. <laughs> or it was from like last year, and they're still trying to get rid of them. Yeah, I maybe. don't know. Yeah. Um, for number nine here, I've got the adult TV classic Batgirl costume. Businesswoman by day, superhero by night. Save Gotham City from the many monsters lurking in the streets on Halloween wearing the official licensed Batgirl 1960s TV classic women's theatrical costume. You'll be ready for battle wearing this form-fitting bodysuit, belt, cape, headpiece, gloves, and wig. 
Less than forty dollars. Wow, you are way off. One hundred and thirty nine dollars. No. Yep. That's a crime that Batman should investigate. <laughs> the overpriced costumes at Spirit. Yeah. But they give you a twenty percent discount to your wallet. <laughs> wow. You're yeah. right. That that would even if I would have guessed over, it would have not been that by that much. That's ridiculous. Well, this next one, if Pickle Rick didn't grab you as sexy, maybe this next one will. <laughs> It's the adult Deadpool dress. Oh, God damn Look it. as cool as your favorite mercenary with this officially licensed Deadpool dress. Featuring his costume signature red and black design, this dress is perfect for any Deadpool costume or outfit. <laughs> because the whole thing about Deadpool is always that you wear a Deadpool costume and then something else. Right. That's the whole thing, right? No matter what, it, you just can't be Deadpool. You have to be Deadpool with tacos or Deadpool with the Spider-Man. Deadpool or Pickle Rick. Deadpool Pickle Rick or Deadpool Sexy Freddy. You know, Sexy Lady Freddy. <laughs> it's going to be more than because it's a full suit. It's going to be more than 40 bucks. Well, it's actually a dress. Dress, sorry. So yes. it's actually 1999. So yeah. I'm gonna guess Deadpool wasn't on top of the sexy women's list uh, from last year. I mean, you know, Ryan Reynolds is sexy. So whatever. well, he is, but uh, he's not a woman. <laughs> Sadly enough. No. For our next one here, uh, this is we've moved into the kids section. Kids <laughs> Master Chief costume from Halo. Game on! Your little gamer will love dressing up as Master Chief this Halloween. Slip them into this jumpsuit with built-in chest armor and attached knee pads, and they'll be ready for battle. Add the boot covers, gloves, and the authentically designed character helmet for a complete look. Well, okay, so the other pieces are sold separate. So they no, they're not. They're saying that they're together? all there. Yeah. So it's more than 40 then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so if you're spending this much money on your child's costume, like you have too much money. $149. Like when I was growing up, my mom bought me a plastic cake and some fangs and was like, here, you're Dracula. Like, no, you, put a, you put a trash bag on that kid and give him a plastic <laughs> instrument. He's a California raisin. That's what he is. There you go. He doesn't even understand the reference. It does not matter. <laughs> you just send him out there. It's fine. What are you, a garbage bag? No, I'm a, a California, California raisin. raisin. <laughs> Be better off being a garbage bag, son. All right, we got three left to get through. Okay. All right, so this next one here, Baby Sea Turtle Costume uh, by Ann Gettys. Do you know no, who Ann Gettys is? No, no, yes. <laughs> okay. She does all the sunflower and babies in pots. <laughs> yeah. Like flower a, pots. Not this is like, basically your baby looking not, like a turtle. Not like a baby on the oven, but maybe that's probably like that's probably happened. Like like a baby in a pot with mixed vegetables. Yeah. You know? And Gettys. Uh, baby you, <laughs> with soy sauce. And Gettys. Your little swimmer will be swelling their shell in this officially licensed <laughs> Gettys sea turtle infant no. costume. The little turtle is picture perfect, just like Anne Getty's famous portraits. If you want a costume that will make a lasting impression, this serene sea creature does just the trick with this aqua and yellow jumpsuit featuring turtle hood and shell. I want to say it's more because the name Anne yeah. Getty associated with it. $74.99. You just go to PetSmart, you buy a dog costume <laughs> for your baby, and it's fine. You're like, what is your, ba oh, what is your baby? He it's a hot dog. It's a hot dog. <laughs> I've always maintained that Ann Getty's photography is creepy, and like I get a lot of people who are like, "It's gorgeous." No. So, what's the name of that that asshole that does all the the calendars that are all like the Christmas like bright? Um, oh shoot, you know what I'm talking about the the painter of light. You know, like, I'll I'll find his name. You'll, okay. You'll, um, oh, I feel like that's the same crowd. Um, 
Thomas Kincaid? That's it. Yeah, I feel like that's the same type of crowd that likes that kind of stuff. <laughs> Thomas Kincaid is just like it's just it's just like like you know softly colored vomit on on a, <laughs> on a canvas. And everyone's it, like, I can feel like Ann Gettys would be in the same wheelhouse. It makes me think of The Office with Angela with her poster of babies playing instruments <laughs> and Oscar d- detesting it and calling it creepy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so we've got two left here. Uh, next one here is also a kid's costume kids grandma costume spoil your grandkids or complain about the kids in the neighborhood this silly grandma costume is perfect for your halloween slip into the floral dress and add her hair rollers hip padding glasses handkerchief and socks for the perfect look you'll look like you've aged 60 years overnight actual price oh i can't give you the actual price i was gonna read that i wrote it down I don't know. This sounds like the little Miss Doubtfire outfit. Um, comes with uh, a nice cake with, or a pie to, to smash your face into. And then say, I just like that it comes with hip padding. Yeah. Hello. No, say, <laughs> this is more than 40 because of the accessories. Weirdly enough, it's thirty four ninety nine. But honestly, I think you could dress your kid like a grandma for like five. Yeah. So like. Just, let's just draw some lines on their face and just like, <laughs> and then make them smoke a couple cigarettes. It's fine. <laughs> Do you remember the SNL skit, Dan Aykroyd and Candace Bergen, where he. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. The Dan toys? Aykroyd, yeah. No, he was selling the Halloween costumes. Yeah. And there was like, it was like the bag of oily rags. It was like oh, Johnny, yeah, yeah. Johnny Human Torch or something. It was like something. I forget there was always just like, nah, it's okay. It's a bag of rags. <laughs> like, like, oh, the unsafe toys. It's like, ah, bag of glass. <laughs> yeah, you know, they learn shapes and stuff. Bag of glass. <laughs> uh, so Sorry, we've, no, that's okay. We've, yeah. we've hit the, the finale of yes. this game. This is the last one. It's the adult beaver mascot costume. <laughs> All right. So the beaver mascot adult costume is an investment that pays off. This classic professional quality beaver mascot adult costume is suitable not just for Halloween, but for year-round use in parades, charity and fundraising events, theatrical promotions, church, and school prep rallies or professional opportunities. Professional opportunities. (laughs) Chew up your competition in this fun costume. Go beavers! Damn. <laughs> it's more than Bob Ross. Yeah, yeah, it's a staggering amount. It's actually four hundred and twenty nine dollars. Well, I mean, you got you got to earn it because if they're saying if you buy this, then you need to be in parades. <laughs> I like the idea that it's like you could be dressed up as a beaver and go walking through a parade and not even be part of that parade. People be like, oh, well, that guy's dressed. He has to be here, right? Like, to be yeah. fair, if I spent four hundred dollars on a beaver costume, I'm wearing it everywhere. Like. Not just parades and Halloween. No, It'd be like, no, it's no. Tuesday. Steve's wearing the beaver costume again. <laughs> well, watch out. It's beaver Steve. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's ridiculous. So yeah, that was fun. I, I believe there was only one other higher priced uh, uh, costume that I found. And it was like 500 and some dollars. It was an adult Halo costume. But I didn't want to repeat since I'd no. used the kid one. So. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, that was fun. All right. So let's go do it for this week. I hope you guys enjoy your talk about Night of the Comet. Please watch that movie. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and thanks, Steve, for the game. It was fun as well. And then next week, another twist from Steve. I'll let you introduce what we're watching next week. Next week, we're going to be watching 1986's From Beyond, uh, Stuart Gordon's classic H.P. Lovecraft film starring everybody's favorite Jeffrey Combs, uh, Barbara Crampton, and Ken Forey. So check us out next week. And I'm sure that you guys will, if you haven't seen From Beyond, maybe watch it before next week uh, and listen to our take on it. Yeah. She's just going to get goopy. That's what yes. I'll say about that. So, 
All right, have a safe week. Um, if there's comets in the sky, go into a reinforced room. I don't know. But if, if, you, if you do, make sure you get your 15 bucks. Yeah, don't sleep with the projectionist. Just a natural thing